Adult content intended for an adult audience only. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. Contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link above to further support this writer. X-Ray Vision Part 10 by Elaine Mature Hey! We're here! Nick had found the door open and come right in, which suited Greg just fine. His arms were in a bowl of fish and tofu, some vinegar. He clued Jill into their imminent arrival, so she could dart into their bedroom and not be surprised in her skivvies. In the kitchen! Kelly followed Nick, looked around like a tourist, peeking in the bathroom, coming into the condo proper, rubbernicking. What a neat place! I always wanted to see in these condos. They built them just about the time I moved out here. Look around! But stay out of the back bedroom until Jill gets decent. Kelly took him at his word, checking out the extra bedroom, the utility closet. Out on the porch to peer at the coast, the ocean. Can I help? Nick made the offer, though she had no culinary skills that Greg was aware of. Open the wine? Pour. In the crisper drawer. Greg had two bottles laid up, chilling. Nick rummaged, found the glasses in the cupboard. He continued to munge the tofu and whitefish around, trying for something like an even mix. This was not anywhere he'd ever imagined himself being, arm deep in a salad bowl of health food mush. Not his thing, not by far. Jillian had told him what to do, but he still didn't know why. Glancing up the road he saw Billy whizzing down the hill on a bike. That was new. He smiled to himself. She was gaining confidence every day. Got herself wheels with no questions, no self-doubt, just did it. Felt good to see her grow. Billy in ten, nine, eight. Nick smiled, poured. Kelly was just coming in, looked quizzically at Greg, then Nick. Giving nothing away, familiar with Greg's curious ways, Nick just continued pouring. Bang. The street door opened, Billy erupted in. Hey. I'm home. Smells funny in here. While it was a pretty outrageous way to greet the household, Greg couldn't help but agree. He couldn't see how this fishy stuff was going to end well. But not his to question why. Hey Nick! Billy went in for the hug, avoided two arms outstretched with half-full wine glasses. Nick leaned her head on Billy's briefly. Hey ya! Welcome home! Held the glasses carefully clear of the gorilla hug. Handing one glass to a still-puzzled Kelly, she took the other to Greg. Seeing his arms sticky and enmeshed, she offered the glass to his face, let him slurp up a good bit, set his carefully where it wouldn't get knocked over. Billy ducked around both, nabbed a can of something fizzy from the fridge, slipped back out. You Kelly? Hey, good to meet you! Billy popped her can, made to clink it against Kelly's glass, took a long slurp. Kelly, unfazed, smiled a greeting, tried the wine. Good stuff. Jillian breezed in, looking comfortable and cool in a wraparound skirt, a tank top, her damp hair up in a ponytail. Good. We're all here. Thanks, Greg, I got it from here. Greg scraped his hands clean of mush as best he could, washed up in the sink as Jillian pulled ingredients from the fridge. Bunches of herbs, soggy breadcrumbs, some butter. That was more like it. Taking his own wine, he went around the bar to be out of the way, sat on a stool. Nick finished pouring herself and Jillian wine, she and Kelly took the other two stools as Billy slumped in the stuffed chair. Jillian was rough chopping the entire bundle of herbs, strewing it into the bowl. Heating a skillet, plopping half the butter in. Dumping the breadcrumbs in the bowl, with a wooden spoon mashing and folding it all into a wad. Pouring some of her own wine in to make it slack enough. Nice bike. Gonna be very handy. Greg opened with a nod to Billy. He could see her feet were sore, and a bike would help with that. She grinned, pleased with herself. Used. Only eighty bucks. Road bike. Fast. From our first paying job. My cut. She peeled her shoes off one at a time revealing red skin where blisters were starting to form. Kelly made an O. Mouth looked concerned. Moleskin in the bathroom. Kit under the sink. Kelly went to the bathroom to find it, still confused about the bike. Returning, Nick took the kit from her, slid off her barstool, sat on the floor. Took one of Billy's feet on her lap, started dressing the seeping angry skin. Quick professional movements, clearly done this before. Billy accepted the attention as her due, settled back into the chair. Found a dog. Lady was in her yard crying. I handed her a card and went to work. You are a marvel. Job's just falling in your lap. Like you were born for this. 
Greg was impressed. Kelly was completely at a loss at this conversation, so Greg filled her in. Billy and I have started a business, finding lost things. His talent and my legwork. Been sticking cards and doors up in the Ritz-Bits neighborhood all day. His talent? Kelly was just more confused. Greg paused, uncertain what to say. Billy filled in. He's some kind of Kreskin, can see things without looking. Read things without reading them. This with a knowing look at Greg. He had the good grace to flush, caught out on that one, the note he'd forgotten to dispose of the other day. If I can't solve the mystery right away, Greg will come by, give the place a once-over, hey presto. There's your thingy under the futon. Haven't needed him yet. This smugly, as she'd solved two cases independently. Kelly seemed to accept that, not sure what to make of it but too polite to ask. Sipped her wine instead. One foot done, Nick sat it on the floor, took the other into her lap, gave it the once-over. Not bad enough to bandage, she packed the kid away, got up to return it to the bathroom. Billy tilted her foot right, left, examined the handiwork. Hey. Thanks. Nick smiled over her shoulder, glad to help a friend. Making puck-sized wads from her fishy mixture, Jillian flattened them, sat them gently in the skillet. Sizzle. Butter smell. Savory fishy herby smoky goodness. Aha. That was more like it, Greg began to relax. He'd been concerned about pretending to like this concoction, but now it was all going to be all right. Like crab cakes but more savory, this would be very agreeable. What can I do next? Time to play the genial host. Get some pita and hummus out, make a tray? He'd seen the bready wedges in the fridge, the tub of yellowish mush. That must be pita and hummus though he had no idea which was which. Probably some kind of spready snack? Deciding on the wooden board usually used for hot pizza he fetched and opened the tub, sat it in the middle, put a spoon in. Tore open the bag of bread triangles, made a neat arrangement around. Before he was even done Kelly was smearing the putty on a wedge, chowing down. Smelled okay. Greg put a tiny dab on a wedge, tasted it, yummy. Garlicky. Spooned up a great wad, smeared it on. Popping one in, Kelly smeared two more, gave one to Billy on her chair, one to Nick as she came out of the bathroom having washed her hands. They chewed and swallowed in silence for a while, giving Jillian the floor. Kelly and I had a little outing today. Had to get a reprint from the clerk one county over, down the coast, summary of charges and bail refunds, they refused to fax it, some privacy issue. Something about a conviction overturned, bail not refunded. Anyway, a long hot drive, not a lot of air coming out of the truck vents. Greg made a mental note to tell the shop when it went in for oil. Maybe he could even give them a hint what was wrong, if he could figure it out by looking. Billy had gotten up, was leaning on the bar stuffing her face with bread and goo. Jillian had the first batch of fish and tofu cakes on a plate, set them down by Greg's board, smoking and brown. Careful. They're hot. Greg fetched a fork, busted one open, steaming. Got a brainstorm, took some bread, balanced a morsel on top. Heaven. Savory fried fish and herbs, toothy brown tofu, butter infused throughout. He embarrassed himself by making a yummy noise, getting a giggle from Jillian and Kelly. Smiled unapologetically, slid the plate so Kelly could try. The last batch in the skillet, Jillian pulled out a bag salad, some cold rotisserie chicken on a tray from the grocery. Washed the salad bowl thoroughly, dumped the salad in. Plated up the bird on a serving platter, added a steak knife and fork. On the porch? She looked at the group for input. Everybody nodded. Billy roused herself, still chewing, took the plate from Jillian, accompanied her out. Swallowing hard. Did I spill too much? Is Greg gonna be okay with what I said? Worried she'd put her foot in it, hadn't know that Kelly was not clued in. Jillian pulled a corner table out from the wall, sat her salad on it, considered. Greg told me, no more evasion, no more stories. He's good with family, close friends knowing. Billy looked relieved, sat the plated chicken out, returned with Jill. Greg had a pile of plates and cutlery, passed them coming back. Nick was dishing up the rest of the fish cakes, turned off the heat. The girls passed around the bottled salad dressing from the fridge, the breadboard, the fish plate, utensils, trooped out, each with a glass in their hand. Greg had arranged the love seat on one side of the table, a chair on the other. They were still short two chairs. Billy went back in, dragged out the stuffed chair from the condo. Jillian suggested. Three across? Looking doubtfully at the love seat. Dressing table in our room. That from Greg. There was a chair there, wooden but padded. Billy haired back in, left them arranging plates and passing out forks. Looking briefly around, she saw the bedroom was just as curious as the rest of the condo. 
Nothing on the dresser but a single picture, unframed, propped up, some family on a beach. Peeking guiltily under the bed, yup, some blankets, box stuff under there. The closet door was open, and she could see stuff shelved there, front to back instead of side by side, he didn't need to see it to know what was behind. Carrying the chair she hustled back out, didn't want to be missed, miss anything. Nick was tearing up the chicken, Kelly dishing herself a wad of salad, cracking open the dressing bottle. Greg and Jillian looking on like happy parents, on the love seat, content, sipping wine. Taking her chair for herself, Billy hooked an entire fish cake onto her plate, hot. Added a handful of bread, a big spoonful of the garlicky paste, started in. When everybody had sampled, smeared, forked, and chewed enough to quell the hunger of the day, the chicken reduced to a stripped carcass, the conversation resumed. Snowball! This big dumb mutt, had the time of her life, smeared in dust and grease and poop. I lured her with decoy food dishes, Mrs. Rich went gaga when she saw her, emergency trip to the groomer. Everybody laughed. Nick had to put her head on the table, couldn't draw a breath for a bit. Had a soft spot for doggies. So he says he thought bail meant he didn't have to show, what was the point in paying off the clerk if it didn't get him off? Nick was a natural storyteller, could even do the voices. Jillian got the biggest kick out of that. The bail bond crowd could be vicious about their clients. Tito is a reader. He spends every night in his room over the tire shop, has this big stack of detective novels, reads a book each night. Spends all his extra money on true crime subscriptions. Kelly said it all soft, clearly something going on between her and Tito, or would be if given half a chance. Greg got all thoughtful about that one, smiled but then stared into the distance for a bit, shook himself. After the stories were all told Greg fetched the wine bottle, topped them all up and sat it on the table, another bubbly can for Billy, stacked and carried the dishes in. They could hear him splashing and clattering happily in the kitchen. Okay somebody going to tell me what this Greg thing is? You're all so coy, clearly something is up. Kelly had been bottling that up all evening. Nick spoke up, of course, Nick couldn't keep a secret to save her life. He's called the finder, he can find things, anything he wants. He found my wallet in a trash can outside Eastwood's, middle of the night, in the dark. Don't know how, don't care. He's a sweet guy, does things to help people is all I know. Kelly put her hand to her mouth, inhaled sharply. Greg is the finder? I thought that was a tale for tourists. Jillian was looking proud, which made Billy relax, all secrets out in the open now. Jill said he could find me a job, just by walking around. Before I came up with Billy's recovery service. He can see who's in a house before he goes in. He can read notes on the counter without opening them. Has all his stuff stacked away, under the bed, in the closet, doesn't need to see to know where everything is. He even keeps the porch furniture up against the wall, can barely see the ocean, can't see shit on the beach from there, missing the best view in the complex. It doesn't matter because he sees it anyway, because he's Greg. It felt better just to blurt it out, nothing anybody else couldn't notice on their own anyway but now she'd said it. Felt relaxed, felt calmer now, all the stress gone she'd felt since she arrived. She lived with a magic man and that was cool, that was okay, he was Greg, so it was all fine. Kelly still had her mouth open, looking around the porch, remembering the condo layout, the stuff under the bathroom sink. The way Greg had known Billy was coming, making supper, going straight for everything without Jillian saying where, he just knew, he saw. It all whirled in her head like a kaleidoscope, clicked into alignment with crystal clarity, a complete picture, whole, it made sense now. Kelly started laughing. It was so funny, she knew a guy with a superpower, and it was Greg. Good old goofy Greg. The most harmless, kind, durable, dependable, helpful person she knew. Next to Tito so okay the second most. Julian got all soft. I know, it's okay somehow. Not some, some mean guy, some selfish guy who would use it for. Because it's Greg. He saved me the night I was lost on the beach, found me in the dark, saw I had nothing, everything gone, nobody who cared, no future, nothing to live for. It was all coming out in a rush now. With a few words, and a pizza and a room and then a job and a reason to stay. Like he knows where everything is and also where it should be somehow. Where I needed to be. She had tears on her cheeks now, still smiling and oh so happy and crying too. Billy stared open-mouthed. Nick nodded, understanding, been through it herself. Kelly went to Jill, knelt, held her close, hugged her tight, face wet with her, for her. Billy shut her mouth with a click, worlds of hidden meaning revealed behind this confession. Why Jill did the chill stuff she did. Why Billy was even here at all. Her and Nick and who knows. And Billy knew she would keep this confidence, told by Jillian to people who deserved to know but only them, 
personal and private and now hers to keep private for Jillian because she was one of the good ones. Because she was like Billy, somebody had helped her, so she helped Billy and Nick, it was that simple. Jillian rubbed the tears away, still smiling, held Kelly's face, looked at her, rubbed her damp nose on Kelly's. Kelly grinned, stood, returned to her seat, took a long pull from her wine. Topped up from the bottle. So, now that we're all good. And they were something like a club, no secret handshake but a secret anyway, a good secret. Change of subject. Somebody tell me where we're going to find more folks like you guys, like Tito. It's the slow season, I'm not likely to find any more candidates on the boardwalk until spring break, thank God. Somebody strong like us, who can do our job, face down scared men who want their way, tell them no. Anybody? Kelly piped up. Have you considered aunties? Jill looked blank, which made Nick laugh. That's brilliant, Kelly. Mrs. Pham says some of her friends have a hard time, could use some extra cash, something part-time. Concern. Would they push back though? Stand up to an angry man, tell them how it was going to be, take no shit? Make them believe it? Jillian had nixed Billy because clients might not listen to a kid. Nick nodded emphatically. You don't know Vietnamese aunties then? They deal with pushy men every day. You better bet the men believe them when they tell them off. Most are bilingual, enough to get their message across. And they'd sure love a private income. Something they don't have to owe to a man. A slow smile spread on Jillian's face. She started liking this idea. It wouldn't even hurt to be mostly bilingual. They can sandbag, use that to deflect arguments, pretend not to understand when it's convenient. Make it easier for clients to shut up and listen instead of making demands? And even part-time would help. I'd take that time to move on to new tasks, take more duties off the boss desk. And if Tito moved on. Nick perked up. Tito is going? Where? Jill looked evasive. Oh, nothing definite. I'd kind of suggest that he might do some home visits like you, maybe with you. If that worked out, who knows? Then I'd have another desk to fill, maybe two, maybe part-time. Maybe more. Nick liked the sound of that. She'd wondered what her next step was, how she was going to get from Fondrone to Skip Trace. This sounded like it might be a way forward. And Jillian had anticipated it. Of course she had. She was looking out for them. For all of them. I'll ask Mrs. Pham for some names. Let you know when she gets back to me. Jill raised her glass, saluted the group. To aunties. They all raised their glasses, drank. Greg reappeared, dishes done, wiping his hands, smiled at the group, everyone looking relaxed and satisfied. Did I miss anything? Billy stared at the phone like she could make it ring, just by concentrating. She'd been staring for like half an hour, since everybody left. Jill to work with Nick, Greg for a walk, whatever that meant. Kelly had left early last night, meeting up with Tito. They all knew what that was about. Leaving Billy to man the phone, which stubbornly refused to ring. All the demons she'd hoped she'd left behind came whispering around at the edge of her awareness. Maybe she was just a worthless little girl. Maybe nobody trusted her because she was a screw-up. Maybe she hadn't sucked up to customers enough to get respect. Maybe this was a shit idea. Maybe Greg was just toying with her, pretending to trust her, gonna come back and say, Aha! You failed. Stupid kid. This was moronic. None of that was true. The idea was a good one. She'd already validated the business model twice. Greg was as straight as could be, and honest into the mix. He'd tell her exactly what he thought, and it would be constructive and kind. If the advertising cards didn't work, they'd just try something else. Maybe direct phone. Maybe a billboard. Who knows? She could think of half a dozen other marketing approaches without blinking. And staring at a phone was exhausting. Gonna have to find something to keep busy when waiting for calls or go crazy. Clean? Nope. The place was spotless. It was uncanny. Why was that? Oh. Greg, duh. He couldn't lose things, saw every spot of dirt so everything was in its place, tidy and clean. Gonna take some getting used to. Jillian had done it, she could too. So, not cleaning. She toyed with the idea of cooking, but that would be hard if a call came in, stopping in the middle of making a sauce or whatnot. Something she could do some of now, and more later, quit in the middle without losing her place. Reading? Writing? Doing the books? No books to do. The company's share from that second job was in the box, and they planned on balancing at the end of the month. Call potential customers? But that would leave the line busy if a customer did call. Maybe they needed another phone line. Too soon for that. They had to make money to spend money. Her jaw was tight. Her shoulders felt sore. Relax? 
Stand up, stretch, hands clasped and arms overhead, lean right and left, wander out to the porch, deliberately ignoring the phone sitting there mute, accusing her. The day was bright and clear, like all the days here so far. A little chilly, and gonna get colder according to Greg. Nothing like Idaho winter so she'd deal. Plop down on the love seat, push back against the wall where Greg liked it. Could only see the sky over the porch half wall, the screens making it look all banded. Scooch up, raise her head now she could see a sliver of ocean. Ocean. Never gonna get used to that. Endless infinite water to the horizon and beyond. And not just wide, it was deep. Down, down, miles of water. She wasn't sure she was really comfortable with the ocean yet. Pull her feet up under her, crouch on the seat, on her knees so she could see the beach. A sliver of sand, just the surf rolling in, two little kids laughing and running, their mom walking after, relaxed and contented, letting them work out their energy. Ring. Ring. She leaped up, her feet tangling on the cushion, tumbling off the couch, nearly going down, staggering to keep her balance. Ring. Ring. Jesus Christ in a handbasket, get a hold of yourself woman. Heart pounding in her chest she bolted into the condo, grabbed the handset. He, hello? She was tongue-tied, blanked. Try again. Uh, Billy's recovery. Your, uh, finding your treasure is our pleasure. Hi, Billy. I'm Wanda Sparrow, a friend of Mrs. Gage. I hear you can find things. Her wits returning, she grabbed a pad and pencil. Yes, ma'am. We'd be glad to help. Tell me what you need. Wanda proceeded to ramble around the topic, speaking of things she'd lost in the past, of things her friends had lost. Not getting to the point. Billy interrupted. Sorry, ma'am, but could you tell me how exactly I can help today? Something you've lost recently, perhaps in your home? Oh, I have a dozen things I can't find. If my head wasn't fastened on. Could you just stop by, see what you can round up? Frank is always on me about it. She was off again. After another minute of monologue, Billy managed to get a word in, arrange a time later in the morning. A few more digressions and she said her goodbyes, hung up. That was a case. Maybe. If the lady could actually remember what she was after, and if it was actually findable. Greg would probably have to weigh in on this one. It went better after that, the phone ringing three more times before Greg came back. He arrived soundlessly, knew of course she was on the phone before he even opened the door. Occupied himself with a bathroom stop, a visit to the fridge until Billy finished the last call, made her notes. We're in business? That's wonderful. What do you have so far? Billy beamed, glad to give him the rundown, glad to have something on the agenda at all. Lost medals, two old brothers, veterans, not seen them for ages but went to look and they're gone. Middle-aged guy, his fella up and disappeared, not a word, worried something happened to him. Older lady, money misplaced around the house, ready to blame the housekeeper, the paper boy, the meter reader but probably just forgot where she put it. And the first one, a Mrs. Wanda Sparrow, didn't seem to know what she lost, vague about that, just wants us to visit. Maybe just lonely? I guess we'll learn more when we see her. You mind if I come along? I'd like to see how this works up close, see you in action. I won't get in the way, I'll wait for you to need my skill, I promise. Billy grinned. I'd like to see you in action too. Let's make this a getting to know you day, partner up this morning. That resolved, they snacked on the leftovers from last night, the last of the hummus and pita. Billy let him know pita was the bread, hummus the garlic paste, picked over the chicken carcass saved by Jillian's decree, for soup however that worked. A couple cans of bubbly, washed up, answering machine activated and they hit the street. Billy read out the addresses, let Greg choose the route. She'd learned the town layout by tracking down customers. The closest was behind the strip, near Eastwoods in fact. They started out. It was not far, a couple blocks behind the boardwalk. Not the best part of town, the first residential neighborhood after the beachfront. Normally that would go for a fortune, proximity to the water. But these were tiny houses, old, built in each other's backyard, tiny lawns, no garages. They found the place pretty easily, an older two-story from the original development. This lady says some money is missing. She has all the usual suspects, pretty much anybody she ever met. Greg looked the house over. The tidy rose trees framing the front door, the trimmed grass with neat edging around the walk. Do you think it likely somebody took it? Greg was asking in order to find out. She shook her head no. Hey, maybe I'm naive, coming from Podunk, Idaho. But most times things are lost, they are just lost. You don't have to go looking for sneak thieves. Just look behind the couch. Sounded good. I might find it quick, if that's the way we want to run this. 
Give the house a once-over. See what's laying around. So how does this work? You go into a trance, burn some sage, what? Greg started to smile, thought better of it. Treat her seriously. It's not something I have to do. It's always on. I just look someplace, and add it to what I see is what I know. I know, for instance, that her attic had squirrels chewed through the attic vent in the rear, but that's been repaired. He was craning his neck, examining the roof line, seeing it and seeing it. He turned his attention to the ground, the foundation. Her water service is old style, small diameter. Her pressure is probably low. The drains go to the city sewer but the pipe, where it comes out of the house. It's not flexible, not to code today, under stress from the ground freezing and thawing, cracked. In another winter or two she's gonna have a soft spot under that window. He pointed to the foundation on one side of the front door, probably a living room window. Billy was impressed and a little excited. Not afraid, this was Greg. He'd never been anything but kind. Just thrilled to be learning all about this stuff. Nobody back in Idaho would even imagine. So what's in there? Any place to lose things like money? Greg glanced around. A thousand places. Furniture everywhere, hardly room to move around. Bookcases, maybe a dozen, filled with cookbooks, mystery novels, travel guides. Oh, there's money in the books, some of them. A ten or a twenty just stuck in the pages, seems like at random. Billy nodded. She could have just squirreled it away. Here she grinned. Forgot that she'd done it? Greg considered. From the content of the kitchen cabinets, I'd say she does quite a bit of that. He didn't elaborate, but the cabinets were pretty scrambled. Most of the dry goods in a pantry cupboard but also the sugar canister misfiled in the china cabinet. Salt shaker in one drawer, pepper shaker under the counter, and with the dish soap. Silverware spread in every drawer at random. She losing the plot? Getting a little dotty? Billy didn't want to be mean about it, but she met quite a few oldsters when delivering hot meals back in Ketchum. Sometimes they'd lose their train of thought, or even have to be introduced each time she delivered, like it was the first time. Sweet old things, she missed them. Greg nodded. We'll have to tread lightly. She may have forgotten about the lost money, may not even be expecting us. They went in the gate, the four steps to the front door, and Billy knocked. Looking sideways at Greg while they waited. You need a better shtick, maybe some patter. What you do is magic, may as well play it up. Greg just raised an eyebrow, didn't comment. They heard scraping inside, like something dragging across the floor. The knob rattled for a bit, the bolt lock was released. The door opened a crack. Yes? In an old, frail voice. Just an eye showed through, still Billy could tell her expression was dubious. Play it by ear. Good morning, ma'am. I'm Billy from Billy's Recovery Service. I hear you may have something that needs finding. That's what I do. Can we come in and talk about it? All friendly, not assuming anything had come before, keep it simple, no confusing details. Who, who's your friend? The dubious eyeball on Greg now. This is my business partner, doing a ride-along today to see how I pull off my magic. If you wouldn't mind, he'd like to observe, learn about this end of the business. Billy glanced at Greg, to see how he took that. He was fine with it, making an innocent face, nodding. The lady took a moment, then opened the door more widely. Come in. Pardon the mess. I'm just tidying up. Turns out the mess was everywhere. Piles of newspapers, books spilling out of bookcases. Unread mail in bundles. Every horizontal surface had something. Clearly no tidying up had happened for ages. An end table covered in precious pottery figurines was shoved behind the door, making it hard to open fully. Apparently, this had been in front of the door. Moving it had made that scraping noise. In any case, they had to huddle between an armchair and a bookcase while the homeowner shut the door and moved the end table back. This cleared a route into the house proper. Come into the kitchen. I've just put on tea. Would you like some tea? It's ginger, for my digestion, but still very refreshing. Billy made polite noises as they followed, Greg continuing to survey the room's contents. He could see it all, but not understand it easily without concentrating on one part at a time. It was all just too much. Drawers contained small change, receipts, coupons, rubber bands, paper clips, straight poker chips, even a pair of silk stockings. One china cabinet contained jewelry, mostly costumed by the look but maybe one or two good pieces, randomly laid over the display shelves. Through a dining room with a fine walnut table, scratched and water-stained, piled with crockery of every description. No place to sit here. The kitchen was relatively clear, with a small breakfast table against one wall and two chairs. The lady offered one to Billy and the other to Greg. 
he deferred, leaving it for the ladies to sit and discuss. So Mrs. Uh... Billy consulted her notepad. Mrs. Starr, is there something I can do to help you today? Mrs. Starr gave her a blank look, settling into her chair and fooling with the sugar bowl. What's that, dear? You want to do something for me? My visiting nurse will be along shortly. She takes care of most of my errands. No, I can't think of anything. The tea kettle began to whistle, but Mrs. Starr was either too distracted or hard of hearing to notice. Billy gave it a moment, then got up and went to the stove. Taking the kettle in hand and turning off the burner, she found the pot ready, lifting the lid to find a tea ball already filled inside. Pouring the pot full she sat the kettle back, clomped the lid back on and brought the porcelain pot carefully to the table. Set it right here, dear. A crocheted potholder, much stained by previous teapots, sat ready. One cup was already on the table. Billy gave Greg a raised eyebrow look. He got the message, scanned the cupboards, pointed surreptitiously at the second cupboard from the left. Billy fetched two more identical cups from there, rinsed the dust off in the sink, brought them over. Mrs. Starr was happily rearranging the pot, sugar bowl, a once-gilded cream pitcher attractively on the table. She seemed oblivious to Billy's activities. I only ask, Mrs. Starr, because we're starting a new service. We find things that folks have lost or mislaid. You may have heard of us? Billy's Recovery Service? She perked up at the name. Oh. Yes. I heard something at the dog groomers. You are the clever girl that found that dog. Bertie, is it? Yes. Billy, ma'am. That's us. Now I don't think you have lost a dog, have you? There had clearly been no pets in the house, else the clutter would have been disastrously scattered. The relative tidiness of piled belongings and delicately balanced items proved that. Oh my no, not since my dusty past, oh, last June? It may have been in June, but probably more than a decade ago. Why she still visited the groomer was anybody's guess. Sorry to hear that, it's hard when a dear pet passes on. Leaves a big hole in your heart? Billy knew all the polite forms and responses, presumably from years of church lady small talk. Mmm. Mrs. Starr nodded absently, poking at the teapot, looking inside, impatient for it to brew. Billy gently took the pot from her, got a bemused smile in return. Checked the pot, began pouring. The first cup she set in front of Mrs. Starr, who began happily scooping sugar into it. The second she handed to Greg, who took it politely, returned Mrs. Starr's smile, sipped. Not bad. Ginger, fresh, bright. Not normally a tea person, but this could grow on you. Billy poured one for herself, took the offered sugar bowl, took a healthy scoop. Sipped, made a wry face. Oh, I know, dear. It takes some getting used to. But my digestion isn't what it used to be. My dear Alfred used to make me the most wonderful Earl Grey every morning for breakfast. Now I can't tolerate it. Was Alfred your husband? Yes, yes. For forty years. Then the cancer got him. That was, I don't know, thirty years ago? He was a stockbroker at that big firm in the city. That would make Mrs. Starr late eighties or even in her nineties. She looked pretty spry for all that. Still living alone. Still moving furniture. He was a collector. Porcelain, jewelry. Coins. Oh, he would spend hours at that desk, cataloging his collections. Taking items out one by one, looking at them, smiling his gentle smile. I called it petting his children. He was amused by that. He loved his precious things. Especially the coins. It must have been a relief to you, all those precious things to remember him by. Billy was fishing for some reason we were here. But she disappointed. Oh well, most of that had to go when he died. Some investments that didn't work, something at the firm that had to be cleared up. But our solicitor made sure I kept the house. And a little money. It's been enough. Surely a coin collection must have been valuable? Still looking for something we could do for her. I suppose. It was his father's set, what got Alfred going in the collecting line. Such pretty things. So shiny, they would dazzle your eyes. Such pretty symbols. The beautiful lady, the majestic eagle. He would never part with any of them. I suppose the solicitor had to sell it for him, after he passed. Here she looks sly. No, they never found them. Alfred could sense he was going, told me they were not to be taken by the city men. Put them away where no one would find them. Kept them from those lawyers and those greedy men from the bank. They took the porcelain, the jewelry. But not the coins. Might we see them? They sound wonderful, and I've never seen a real coin collection before. She gave a sad look. I'm afraid not. You see, Alfred never told me where they are. So I couldn't tell the lawyers, he said. 
I should have them, against the rainy day, he said. Aha! Here was something they could get their teeth into. A long-lost coin collection. Greg spoke for the first time. Mrs. Starr? Perhaps Mr. Starr kept them in a bank box, or a storage locker? Would you have found them in that case? Did he leave a key, or a combination, or an address, perhaps? She tissed at that. Oh my no. He kept his collections here in the house. Never trust the banks, he said. He lived through the crash, you know. His father lost everything but the coins. Jumped from a ledge. Alfred had only the coin collection from his father, that, and his memories. Billy gave Greg a meaningful look, which meant get to work. While Billy continued to talk of inconsequential things, the tea, the porcelain, the neighborhood and how it had gone downhill, Greg started searching. Starting from the attic he quickly dispatched the trunks, boxes and bags. Nothing but old, old clothes and photographs. A bundle of love notes. Tied in a very faded pink ribbon. A tabletop Victrola. Not valuable, just a few dollars at a thrift store. The mainspring seized, the needle rusted by time and humidity. The upstairs bedroom gave him little trouble. No clutter, that was restricted to the bottom floor. Just a closet with old suits, dresses. A dresser full of unmentionables, a silver tie pin, a pewter keepsake from a trip abroad. Too many shoes in the closet, some faded forlorn hats. The mattress nothing, not even bedbugs. The springs long compressed, a permanent depression for Mrs. Starr, a lesser one for the dear departed Alfred. He was going to turn to the downstairs, begin a methodical scan of every piece of furniture, every stack of paper, every bag of hangers, candlesticks, dowels and clothes pins. To delay that prospect, which would certainly give him a headache, he tarried in the upstairs hall. The old construction was lath and plaster, no insulation, just hollow walls. Nothing but a few ancient mouse nests wedged between the studs. A pencil note on a baseboard from a workman all those years ago if you are reading this, something is quite wrong. Cute. The bathroom a claw tub, rust loosening the chipped enamel to flake off in spots. A toilet with a half-waterlogged float, quietly seeping. A cabinet with mostly expired pots and potions, many of a kind no longer sold. A sink, fancy plated faucets, hot and cold with the shine mostly worn away, the pot metal showing through. Desiccated crack drain plug set to one side on a short chain. An earring in the trap, corroded and stuck in the sludge. Old copper pipes in the walls, mostly green, mostly plugged with mats of old corrosion, barely any room in them for the low water pressure to deliver any water. It must take an age to fill the tub. A copper flower canister, wedged between the hot and cold, plastered in behind the sink, the ancient, patched plaster beginning to crack around the hole where it had been inserted. And inside that gold. He gave Billy a small smile, tilted his head to indicate up there. She smiled broadly back, looked fondly at Greg. He knew that look it meant good boy. He'd seen it from Julian more times than he could count. Still it made his heart feel good. Mrs. Starr? I believe we can find your coin collection if you'd like. She looked puzzled. Dear, nobody has been able to trace that for years. If you can find it now, I will eat my hat. Is there somebody we could call, who could help you value it, and keep it secure? Once we do find it. You'd have to ask Mrs. Jones about that. Fecundity Jones, can you imagine? Such a name. She's my visiting nurse. Married to Sorrowful Jones. Fine, fine people, but names to make you marvel. The kitchen screen door squealed on rusty hinges. A key was fitted to the lock. As if on cue, a generously sized woman who could only be the well-named Fecundity entered carrying a small bag of groceries. Noticed them sitting, extracted her key and secured the door while giving them an appraising look. Can I help you? Mrs. Starr doesn't usually receive visitors. The unspoken words without my being here were clear. Billy was unfazed. Mrs. Jones? Hello? I'm Billy from Billy's Recovery. We're here at Mrs. Starr's request to find some items she's misplaced. A look at Mrs. Starr for confirmation got just a confused look. Fecundity looked dubious, and Greg could see they were about to be hustled out. I'm sure we can clear this up. This morning we received a phone call from Mrs. Starr. Billy took the message. And here Billy showed the notebook with the neatly scribed time, name, and address. We've come by to help in any way we can. Mrs. Starr very kindly made tea, and suggested we might find her late husband's coin collection. Which we are confident we can do. Provided we can identify a safe place to keep it. Perhaps with a trusted friend? A lawyer or banker? Mrs. Jones was set back by this. Um, her friends are mostly gone. She has a lawyer, had a lawyer. Haven't paid her in ages, no money. In fact, I've not been paid in ages. 
Greg's estimate of fecundity went up three notches. This kind visiting nurse was here on her own, out of the kindness of her heart, not abandoning an old lady. On her own dime, buying groceries. This could not stand. If I could get the lawyer's name and contact information? I believe we can clear this up today. Get you paid, get the lawyer paid. Get the coin collection safely in a deposit box, to be valued later. It was happening a little too fast for the kind nurse. She stood numbly, her day appended, uncertain how to proceed. Billy took charge. Let's start this way. You'll fetch the coin collection, work forward from there, worry about the rest once we can see there's something to be done. Fecundity nodded, not sure where this was going. Greg, would you show this kind lady upstairs? She can witness you searching, verify the collection was found in this house, belongs to Mrs. Starr? We'll sit here and chat, finish our tea. That seemed like the best approach. Groceries put away, the deputized search party trooped back to the entryway and up the stairs, careful not to knock over any mail stacked on the steps. Billy distracted Mrs. Starr while the goings-on went on above. When a scraping clumping noise came down, Billy explained. That's just Greg, finding Alfred's coins. I'm sure he'll clean up any mess. Mrs. Starr agreed, men could make such messes, why her Alfred used to track mud from the carriage house right on the carpets. Every time it rained, she had half an hour of scrubbing. They came down shortly, a dented copper flower canister in hand, Mrs. Jones looking dazed. Greg cleared the tea away, sat the canister on the table. Eased the top open. Held out Mrs. Starr's hand gently, tipped the content. More than a dozen bright shiny coins slid onto her palm, spilling onto the table. Each with a vividly embossed eagle or seal on one side, a classic figure or face on the other. Mrs. Starr's face lit like a Christmas tree. Oh. 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 She could not speak, seeing these beautiful things again after what decades? A quarter century. Double eagles. From the last century, early this century, Alfred's father's collection. Worth enough to pay all the bills, renovate the house, keep Mrs. Starr in groceries forever. Mrs. Starr had no interest in that. She just kept turning the coins over in her hand, smiling, remembering the coins, remembering Alfred. Mrs. Jones had an old Chevy sedan which took them to the lawyer's office, smoking and rumbling. One coin, a lesser value one, left with Mrs. Starr. To distract her, and to remind her of Alfred. They met in the senior partner's office. I'm not Mrs. Starr's lawyer any longer? Our arrangement had to be terminated two years ago. She no longer could pay even a nominal fee, which I'm legally bound to receive to represent her interests. The lawyer was not a bad sort as such persons go. Middle-aged, lined face, a severe look but kind for all that. If I can make good on that in Mrs. Starr's absence? Greg fetched out a roll of bills, handed it over. And such work as will be required to get the coins valued and sold? In advance. The lawyer called the clerk who counted the bills and made out a receipt. Shall we examine these coins? To see what all the fuss is about. Always pragmatic lawyers. Mrs. Jones had taken possession of the canister and produced it from her voluminous cloth bag. The lawyer opened it, tipped it gently onto her desk blotter, let them roll out, arranged the desk lamp. They all looked at the shiny, improbably splendid display. Collected new, a century ago, untarnished as only fine gold can be, untouched for decades, practically perfect condition. And this is worth, how much do you suppose? A reasonable question. They are of course worth more than the $20 face value, in the gold alone. And as collector's items their value is many times even that, thousands each. Double eagles are famously collectible. Three are of special interest. Two from 1861. Those are in the tens of thousands. Maybe more, few exist in this spectacular condition. The lawyer poked at the collection with one finger, extracted the two with that date, of old-fashioned design, busy. Found one more, dated 1907, somehow more beautiful than the others. Looked quizzically at Greg. Yes, that one is the finest. Struck just one year, the year of Roosevelt's redesign with more modern engraving, more suitable to the style of the age. With a special high relief, reverse image. At only two U.S. mints. That one is worth many times the entire balance of the collection. How much are we talking? Enough to pay her back taxes? To get Mrs. Starr into an assisted living facility? The lawyer was not hard-hearted after all. Greg considered. Enough to build and run an entire assisted living facility. They looked at the coins with something like reverence now. Mrs. Jones sat heavily in the guest chair, tears on her cheeks. It's been hard. Keeping her in groceries, doing her laundry. Trying to keep her from burning the place down. You don't know how many times I've come over to find the burner on. 
She started bawling, just letting it out, the stress of years suddenly relieved. Billy stooped over her, hugged her, held her until she settled. I suggest, if you would be agreeable Mrs. Jones, that fecundity be named her guardian. She's clearly the one most invested in her well-being, has the longest history with Mrs. Starr. In her present state a familiar face would be a great asset. The lawyer gave her a questioning look and got a slow nod. To facilitate that, it would be desirable for Mrs. Jones to have a reliable car, a grocery budget, a reasonable stipend for all her services, paid by the estate. Again, the lawyer thought that possible, signaled the clerk to begin taking notes. I'll get these put away safely, arrange for them to be valued in the city. Start on paperwork to get Mrs. Jones assigned as guardian. Get her back pay. She hasn't been paid in years. This from Billy. A note made, and that was that. They left Mrs. Jones with the lawyer, working out the details. On the sidewalk, Billy stopped Greg, looked him long in the face, then folded him in her arms and just held on for a while. Eyes tight shut, against any unexpected outburst of emotion. Greg waited content, until she was able to go on. That one is one me, I'm afraid. Billy frowned, glared at him. Greg explained. We didn't get paid. I did that. I guess we can call it market development. Word of mouth public relations. Billy punched him in the arm, hard. Dummy. Rubbing his arm, smiling, they continued downtown toward their next appointment. On the way Greg started herring off the route to pick up stray valuables. A charm bracelet buried in the grass by a parking space, silver, engraved MC whoever that was. Cash stuffed under the back seat of a stripped car in an alley near the bar, maybe a few hundred, funny the car thieves had missed it. A stained, sun-faded bank bag on a ledge over a dumpster, maybe dropped from above? Anyway just a few fives and tens. The best one, the old disused coal chute of a last-century brick four-story apartment building, containing a bundle of cash wrapped in a yellow newspaper, nearly two grand. Billy was checking the date on the paper. That was there a long time. You had to have seen it before? Greg looked abashed. I don't like to dig in coal chutes. I put that one off until I needed it. Billy shook her head. You didn't need it today. You're just showing off. A grin? Yeah, well. I thought I'd let you see how I do it, how I can find stuff just by looking, how far it works. That's the idea this morning, right? Getting to know each other? Billy nodded. Sure. It doesn't look a lot different from you remembering where you hid something, going back to get it. I know. You didn't put that stuff there, probably a botched drug drop? But anybody watching would just assume you put it there. Otherwise, it makes no sense. Greg agreed. I've gotten a lot of slack that way. Folks just assume there's some reasonable explanation, that I'm just eccentric. I guess I've never worked very hard to explain. Just let them think there goes crazy old Greg. She was silent for a block, getting close to their next sight. On the last corner she stopped, looking at the ground, thinking, then facing Greg. He took a few more steps, noticed he'd lost her, turned, waited patiently for what he seemed to know was coming. Why? You found what? A week's income just wandering around. You don't need this business. You don't need me. Why are you here? What is this all about? She was plainly conflicted, wanting this to work, wanting their partnership to be legitimate. But faced with Greg's clear lack of need, her doubts were surfacing. He said it plainly, as she knew he would. But with defensive body posture, arms crossed, looking away, then looking at her. We are partners, so I'll be straight with you. I need this business for about the same reasons as you do. I need to be taken seriously. I need to do important things for other people. I need. He stopped there, closed his mouth. Billy got frustrated. Out with it. Stop deciding what to tell me, what to hold back. I'm not a kid. Would you edit your answers to Nick? To Jillian? I'm tired of being spoon-fed, all my life's silly half-answers to important questions. Just say it. Greg's mouth half-opened, a dumb look like he was just caught doing something stupid. Shook his head, dropped his arms, now in open posture, now she knew she'd get everything from him. Collecting his thoughts, he looked over her shoulder, then straight, in her eyes. She'd not noticed how piercing his look could be, how he could literally look straight through her, see everything. She wanted to flinch but suppressed the impulse, stared right back. It matters. The money I need money too, I grew up poor, I need to respect that. My parents worked hard for every dollar. I've made quite a pile by now, mostly like this, a few dollars at a time, occasionally more but all put away against hard times like I was taught. I figured out, Jillian helped me figure out, that money matters but far less than people. Now everything I do is for people, now that I have enough money for me, for us. 
But I have to respect boundaries, how my friends see the world, where they are in their lives. We're very careful with money, Jillian and me. Because she is like me, needs to respect it, what it represents. The hard work, the careful spending, not wasting. That's how we decided to do it, how it works best for us. For you and me? I think you need to know that what is yours is yours. No question about you deserving it, no blurring the lines. And what is ours, what the business has earned, tracking how well we are doing that's a goal for you, so it's the goal for us. You are very welcome to everything that is owed you, including every business expense, every fee you earn. Nothing is too small to treat seriously, nothing is too large either. It all matters, making our business profitable, showing what we can do. That was a lot, and Billy took a while to process it. She understood it cost Greg something to reveal his feelings. Now she understood his gift of time and emotional support cost him something too, a price he was willing to pay to be part of her life, their business. And it was something she was very hungry for, to be important in another person's life, to be respected for her skills and efforts. Blurting out. I never had any money that was mine. It was all taken for family, or for church. I just lived on the crumbs they left me. That makes me, I don't know, nervous about cash, about being trusted with it, about being trusted at all. It's all new for me. I don't know yet how to manage it. I want to be a good partner, for you, for Jillian. I don't want you to regret you ever meeting me. Greg knew that, had seen her anxiety. He could work on untangling those feelings right now. Billy! You are very smart, very intuitive, more than me by far. As good as Jillian at understanding people, maybe better. I want to help explore how good. Because that's all I have now, now that money quit motivating me. Helping people. You are an amazing woman. I want to be around, be important to you while you do your amazing things. Trusting you completely the whole time so you can go further. Try everything without fear. I'm your backstop, making the money part work, letting you accomplish all the important stuff, do more with it than I can even guess. They stood facing each other for a bit, breathing hard. Greg talked out, Billy stunned, not blubbering but nearly. Okay then. Okay. They resumed walking, each with their own thoughts for a bit. Finally. What's the biggest you ever found? Those coins? Greg smirked. I'll tell you about that some other time. This client lived in a remodeled Victorian. Pretty well done though some of the gingerbread was missing, the gables now had just slatted vents instead of windows. Probably no longer used the upper floors, too hard to heat and cool. A knock in the door answered by a middle-aged gentleman, impeccably dressed, hair just so. You must be Billy. Come in. Come in. He ushered them into the foyer, carefully relocked the door, led them to a sitting room. Who has sitting rooms in this day and age? A compact grand piano, an overstuffed settee, some old-fashioned horsehair chairs with hard seats. Chintz wallpaper. Greg didn't know what chintz was, but this romantic floral pattern had to be it. Billy started right in. What can we do for you? What have you lost? He looked stricken, dramatically so. Florentine. The love of my life. The man of my dreams. I'm late getting back one night after theater, dress rehearsal. And he's gone. Billy checked her notes. He leave any effects? A note perhaps? Nothing. As if he never existed. Even the picture of his dear mama, taken from the piano. They could see the place where the dust was disturbed, one of the pictures removed. Billy thought it best to be blunt. And you don't think he might have just left of his own accord? Vehement shaking of the head. Florentine despised such cowardice. Many was the time we criticized others for leaving unsaid what needed to be said. He would never have left without telling me, telling me. Here he got emotional, couldn't continue. Took out a too large handkerchief, who carried handkerchiefs, and blew his nose. Had he been behaving differently? Perhaps worried? Tired? That got a nod. I was concerned, he has had trouble in the past, the horses, you understand. I was going to confront him, ask him if he was in debt. I bailed him out before, when he has had his, difficulties on the turf. So, you think? I think he may have been spirited away by some sinister person, perhaps some underhanded money lender? He may be in a basement somewhere, tied to a chair even now. Billy didn't think that likely. You didn't get money from someone by tying them to a chair. His best source of funds was standing right here. No sensible loan shark would sever than Link. She made some notes, tapped her teeth with a pen, thinking. So, no note. Picture gone. Clothes. He nodded. His closet is empty. His suits. Those silk shirts he loved. Probably taken to pay the debt. 
Unlikely. Used shirts wouldn't garner much. She'd seen them in the thrift shop for a few bucks. Do you mind if I look around? Enthusiastic agreement. Would you like to see our room? Billy didn't answer, just stood and looked around the parlor. At the piano, lifted the keyboard cover, the top. Nothing. The end table's a few knickknacks, a framed picture or two. The room was in fact scrupulously tidy, no room for anything to be hidden or mislaid. She spoke over her shoulder, looking behind furniture. He expected you to be late? Annoyed, she got an answer. Yes, I told him to expect me at ten. What are you looking for? You're not going to find him behind the couch. A nod, but she kept poking around. Retraced her steps to the foyer. Greg followed, curious how this was playing out. No idea what Billy was up to. The wallpaper was imperfect, a tear here or there. Shabby chic. Victorian photo on one wall, some staid matron looking into the middle distance. A clumsy landscape in watercolor. A patterned wool carpet, a little worn, a little stained, a little ragged around the edges. Greg didn't look at anything, he hadn't been invited on this one. It was all Billy for now. He just watched her, tried to imagine what she was thinking. Clearly, she expected to find something, but what? A clue? A stubbed-out cigarette? A bloodstain? A cryptic message? A ransom note? She went to the door, fingered the mail slot sealed against tampering, no longer usable. Felt around the door frame, for what he couldn't imagine. The frame was tight-fitting, no gaps or secret latches. She unlocked, opened the door, went out on the step, turned and looked back. A letterbox empty. A pot to one side tip it up, a key underneath, not a good idea at all but still no inspiration. Greg saw it an instant before Billy did, had read it by the time she tugged up the frayed carpet at the threshold, pulled out the envelope containing the note. Their client had followed them out, face clouded in confusion, but now a look of anguish washing over. Billy handed him the note, pushed under the closed door as Florentine had left but somehow ending up under the tatty carpet instead of on it, hidden from sight. The man unfolded it with shaking fingers, started to read crumpled. Greg waited to see what came next, but Billy took him gently by the arm, led him out onto the stoop, pulled the door quietly shut. What did it say? Billy knew what it was, a dear John letter, but not what it said. I've always thought of being in love as being willing to do anything for the other person start to buy them bread and not mind living in Siberia with them, and I've always thought that every minute away from them would be hell so looking at it that way I guess I'm not in love with you. Billy cringed. Pretty harsh. But better than lying and stringing him on, using him to pay gambling debts. What about? Billy shook her head. I don't want to make money off of people's pain. Greg conceded. Billy was his partner, she didn't want to charge for this one, and that was that. As they walked to the street Greg offered. Where's shit at getting paid? Billy smiled gently, punched his arm again. This one is the two brothers, veterans, their war medals came up missing. Could be tough. Anybody might have taken them. You think they were taken? Billy nodded. Not the sort of thing you carry around and lose. Unless it's ghosts, somebody knew where they were, took them. Their knock was answered by a gruff old fellow, legs bowed by age but back straight, shoulders square. Military, clearly. Billy? This your factotum? Good, good, come in. We've convened in the dining room. He turned and left them to follow, shuffling through a wide arched door. The next room was the dining room, the walls covered in old maps, the table clear but for a silver platter. Another gentleman stood as they entered, greeted Billy with a smile and a handshake, gave Greg a curt nod. This is everyone? Fine, let's begin. Tuesday 0900 hours I conversed with my brother, disputing his assertion that the Asiatic Pacific Theater ribbon is decorated with a brown star and not the arrowhead for amphibious assault. He erroneously asserted it was for paratroopers only. I said no such thing. I was merely reminding you that both stars and arrowheads could be displayed, but only three in total. The additional amphibious arrowhead would have to replace one enemy engagement star. His interruption was dismissed with a curt cutting motion of one hand. We proceeded to the dining room to settle the matter. Upon opening the sideboard drawer, we found our entire collection of medals absent. Absconded. Stolen. They bristled with indignation, the first time Greg had encountered that look. They did it well, and if he'd been a soldier under their command he'd have been suitably scorched by the heat of their gaze. Billy smiled sweetly, began her interview. You last saw the medals when? Short and to the point, which Greg figured was perfect for these old soldiers. Christmas last year. Sergeant Holmes visited for our annual salute. Boxing Day. Holmes was delayed by weather. Agreement on that point, irrelevant as it was. 
That left nine months or more window for the crime. Who has had access to this room since Christmas? The senior brother glared severely at the junior, who stoutly refused to be withered. Only my brother's whist club members. Not true. Others have been admitted. That salesman peddling his sighting. Who should never have been admitted. Never left alone for a moment. Ejected immediately I came down. So, not the sighting salesman. Mrs. Klepper, every Wednesday. Mrs. Klepper is beyond reproach. I am shocked, brother, shocked you would slander her good character. Red-faced. I do no such thing. But she may have admitted someone without our knowledge. Perhaps a tradesman or delivery. Again, with a curt cutting motion. She has strict instructions and has never been derelict. I will hear no more of Mrs. Klepper. They bristled for a bit, not saying something, the older daring the younger to speak. Finally, he spoke for him. So, the Whist Club. That is where our suspicions lie, and where your investigation should begin. Nonsense. They are all of good character. Friends and confidants for a decade. Reliable men, all. A snort. A plumber. A nurse. A tennis instructor. A huff through the mustache. There's nothing wrong with being a plumber. Or a nurse. Robert Bush was a nurse. Robert Bush was a corpsman. A marine. He saved lives of his comrades in the invasion of Okinawa. Do not conflate that hero with your floor-scrubbing card-playing. This was going nowhere. Greg began to cast about while the squabbling continued. The house was fairly tidy, as a military household often is. The kitchen was scrubbed within an inch of its life, like some field hospital or mess kitchen. The bedrooms upstairs were fairly orderly. Some disarray of papers and books, but that was to be expected in a household of historians as these two apparently were. And nowhere were the medals in evidence. Just the lifetime accumulations of two bachelor brothers, folded and filed and squared away. Billy had not recorded much in her notebook. Just a line about whist and the name Mrs. Klepper. A car pulled up as the brothers ran down, their disputations running their course. Greg scanned the man walking to the door, carrying groceries in two plastic sacks, staples plus tobacco and a fifth of some vile generic whiskey. A wallet in his pocket, some gum. Worn shoes, hole in the socks. Glasses taped, needing repair. A relative? A delivery? The car told the story a personal vehicle, some rust, hole in the muffler, trash in the back seat. Cigarettes stubbed out in the ashtray, what car had an ashtray anymore? In the trunk a deflated spare, a tire iron. A paper bag full of metals. He tugged Billy's sleeve, got a grateful look, glad to be distracted from the pointless bickering. In the car trunk. Quietly, so only Billy could hear. A key in the lock, so the man was known to the house. He burst in, slammed the door with one foot, came through the dining room, stopped, dumbfounded. Get a move on, Burke. Kitchen is where you left it. Chop chop. He jerked as if branded, brushed between Greg and Billy to the kitchen, began unloading his bags. One of the brothers called out. You have the change? H.M.? Didn't stop at the tobacconist again, H.M.? Will I see anything left this time? Burke bridled, scowled as he unpacked, didn't answer. Banged the cans into a cupboard in no particular order, tossed the vegetables into the crisper drawers still in plastic bags. No sense of decorum. No discipline. That boy. Said loud enough for him to overhear, Burke stopped, made to reply then thought better of it. Billy spoke quietly, sweetly. You didn't mention Burke? Surely he has access? The brothers looked at one another, smirked. Burke? He wouldn't do such a thing, not got the backbone for it. Said with finality. But Billy saw Burke's small flicker of a smile, saw him relax, the resentment gone out of him. Because he knew something they didn't know, and it pleased him no end. Can I get myself a glass of water? Billy batted her eyelashes, didn't wait for a response, headed for the kitchen. Greg got the message. Tell me the schedule of the whist club? He asked innocently, knowing it would set off another exchange, give Billy a minute with Burke. Nephew, get the lady some water. Be a gentleman. HFF. No manners. And they were off on the foibles of whist club night. It's a regular schedule, and who was responsible for that? Getting a cup from the cupboard, pouring herself a glass, Billy leaned back on the counter, sipped, eyed Burke. Run a pretty tight ship, don't they? She made the observation, didn't expect a reply. Burke gathered the bags, stuffed them into a trash can. Laid the change on the counter with a receipt. Finally. They're a piece of work. I do all the chores, all the buying, all the driving. My own money, mostly. 
The tobacco is for the younger, thinks his dear brother doesn't know about it, pretends I buy it for myself. What do I get? Insults, disrespect. He smirked though, pleased with himself and Billy knew why. Billy let that lie then. So you have them in the car. He paused, his smirk fading, his hand poised, the receipt forgotten. What? No. What? He was floundering for a response. She dumped her glass, rinsed it out, set it in the dish drainer, taking her time. Should we invite the uncles out, open the trunk? Hmm? He turned white at that. She let him panic for a moment, let him realize he was up to his neck in it. Then she gave him his way out. Here's how it's going to work. You will explain to your uncles that you took them to have them cleaned, framed. A surprise for Christmas, so they will be ready for the annual salute. You will then get them cleaned and framed, ready by Christmas. At your own expense. Burke was ready to deny further but Billy pinned him with a fierce look. You will pay our fee, as an apology to your uncles for upsetting them, calling us here for no reason, inconveniencing everyone. Burke was looking furtively between Billy and his uncles, frozen, ready to protest, to run, to beg. She took pity on him. It's not gonna end until you end it. They won't change. They'll always be demanding and imperious and inflexible. Let it roll off your back. You have to change first. Try being polite, agreeing with them. Let them know what you will do, and what you won't. Politely. It gets to be too much, well then leave. Find a life somewhere else, out from under. Always an option, it seems like you're stuck right now, that's an illusion. He deflated, trapped, nothing to say. This is your first step. An olive branch. A gift to the old farts, something they never expected. Start from here. And it went down like that. Burke went into the dining room, all meek, admitted to planning a surprise, apologized for upsetting everyone. Whether the backhanded comments, the jabs at his lack of planning, his thoughtlessness, his awkward way of going about it. And then, a comment from an uncle. H.M. Well, H.M., Burke? Good thought there, suppose the old tin could use some spit and polish. And on the wall. Framed. That will be grand. Grand. Billy was writing out an invoice on a blank notebook page, laid it on the table. Gave Burke a look. Oh. Let me. My mistake, got everyone in a tizzle, should have said something. He reached for his wallet, blanched at the sum, pulled out a blank check, made it out. The brothers looked on, criticized his handwriting, but still, gave a curt nod when he handed it to Billy. All's well, yes, yes. Right, that's everything put right, H.M. I guess, thank you. Sorry for the cock-up, nephew was never good at planning, like our dear sister, came by it honestly. Can't fault him for that. As near a kind word as he was likely to get. Burke looked at his uncle, at a loss for how to respond, never got as much approval as that probably. Maybe a new beginning. Out on the sidewalk Greg appraised her with a sideways look. You surprise me. She gave back a who? Me? Look, didn't respond but pleased. And our first paid job, together. That did feel good. Next is the vague lady. Greg was reviewing her notebook, considering the route, how best to proceed. Billy was curious. You can see there? Can you see if she's home? Greg gave her a startled look. What? No. I just know my way around town. She was still looking at him curiously. Here. I can see those buildings over there, inside and out. What's in the alley behind, part of the building beyond? I can see that Piper cub up there, nothing between us and them, Pilot showing off to her friend, taking him for a spin. Some romantic destination in mind? Anyway, wine and cheese in a sack, condoms in her bra. In his jeans pocket too, so that's gonna work out. The streets here are renovated, modern sewer, utilities. But beside that there's an old tile and brick service tunnel, fragments, still got water flowing in the gutter. Then just dirt to bedrock. That building, with the antenna on top? Offices on the top floor, some radio station. The broadcast is on tape, the DJ and an intern passing the time in the break room, bored. She's flirting, hoping to get lucky, no bra, no underwear, just tiny flannel shorts and a crop top. Not gonna work, he's not responding, dick soft, probably gay. Giggles, that was good, she's not getting weirded out. So, it's not about distance. It's about complexity, noise. Like my brain can only unscramble so much in one direction, and then it gives up. I can't try to see any further. There's no try. It's just there or it isn't. Jillian said you can't turn it off? Used to be able to. In high school the hormones took over. That switch got lost. I could maybe try to find it again. But I'm used to it now. Would miss it if it wasn't there. 
They walked, Greg skipping several opportunities to scavenge, letting Billy lead with just a sketch of direction. She found the right cross street, took them in the right direction first try. Didn't know there were ritzy houses down here. All the big ones were on top of the hill, she thought. This was newer, modern art style, boxy with recessed windows. Premium land close to the shore used to be mud flats but developed into vacation houses ten years ago. Our complex is part of this, the other side on the beach. So about half the price here Billy figured and still really nice. Greg's must be worth millions. She's not likely to have a real job? Greg was remembering Billy's synopsis earlier. Head shake. Just lonely I figure. We show off a bit, find a thing or two. Let her talk some, then get our fee and go. More for PR. Agreed they touched the doorbell, heard a complex chime somewhere inside. A light came on overhead, the door opened. A housekeeper. Uniform, sensible shoes, hair in a bun. Holding a feather duster. May I help you? A professional smile too. Billy's recovery service, here at Mrs. Wanda Sparrow's request? Billy answered, just as professionally. This way, ma'am. Madam is expecting you. She ushered them through, closed up, led through a hallway and out onto a patio. A table, a pitcher of iced tea, some beachy fringed outdoor furniture, their hostess on a chaise lounge. Billy's recovery, madam. And she was gone. Sit. Have some tea. Forgive me for not getting up. I'm exhausted from my morning. Search the house, top to bottom. No luck. That tea did look good. They'd been walking all morning in the sun, even in cool weather you get parched. Greg gratefully pulled out a chair, sat, poured himself a tall glass. Sugar in a shaker, he added a good half-dozen shakes, stirred with the extra tall iced teaspoons. Nice. Billy held out her glass, and Greg poured, always helpful. Offered the sugar, no thanks. Taking a healthy pull, Billy held her glass to the light, admired the sunlight through the amber fluid, the drops of tea sweat forming on the side. Mao Feng Imperial, supposed to be one of the best from China. I can't tell it from Lipton's. This with a wry look from their hostess, Wanda. Billy grinned back. Very good after a busy morning. Speaking of which, what can we do for you today? Wanda gave a theatrical sigh, took a pull from her glass, sat it down. Rearranged herself on her lounge, taking her time. My husband is away. A lot. Most of the year. The time he's here, he's busy with work, with customers. On the golf course with his cronies. Consequently, I go a little stir-crazy. Just Felicity and me, that lovely professional woman you met? We do all right. We play some cards. We watch a serial. Go to a movie. Go shopping. To tea with friends. Have a whole library of mystery novels. She's Agatha Christie. I'm Moore and Cleves. But anyway. You may take this with a grain of salt. A whole canister of salt. I'll understand. But things go missing, little things. All the time. No, Felicity isn't a disgruntled employee, nor a kleptomaniac. We know one another too well. We've discussed this matter between ourselves endlessly. Crime novel fans do things like that. Billy had let her go on, but now interjected. Is Miss Felicity the only professional with access to the house? Wanda smiled, touched her nose, pointed at Billy. Now you're thinking like a crime fiction fan. No, she's not. But none of the others visit often enough to explain a chronic problem. She got up, started pacing. A fine fit woman in her compression shorts, tank top and barefoot, Greg wondered how on God's green earth her husband left her alone for even a weekend, much less a year at a time. The plumber visited last spring, sprinkler valve in the garage gone bad, didn't enter the house but to present his invoice. Food delivered always by the same boy, once a month for staples, weekly for green groceries. Again, doesn't get past the door. And so on. She got agitated. It's been accelerating. What was a monthly curiosity has become an every other week mystery. Sometimes twice a week. A notepad, a pencil. Fruit from the fruit bowl. A hair ribbon. Some nail files, a new box, I bought them, left on my dressing table and poof. Nothing valuable. Nothing to call the police over. Hell, nothing to bother my husband about. He'd scoff and roll his eyes, say I just forget what I did with them. So, when Mrs. Gage gave me your card at Auxiliary Tea, told me about your services I was over the moon. Finally, somebody to tell my story to. Somebody who might take me seriously. She pulled out a third chair, turned it around, sat in it backward, legs spread, arms crossed over the back. Thoughts. What can you come up with? Anything. How can we resolve this? Billy fooled with her pencil, thinking. Looked up. You have an idea? Anything is good at this point.
Wanda caught her expression, saw she'd thought of something. Haas, anything appeared? In addition to things that disappeared? Wanda was stunned, her mouth open. Yes. How did you know? Yes. A theater program I'd left on the bedside table disappeared, then came back, oh, a week later. And a nail clipper. I know, they all look the same. But I have a kind I like, buy them in packs, black lever, tungsten, anyway a different one showed up in the bathroom. Felicity said it was probably Frank's, left when he visited Labor Day. But it hadn't been there, then it was. Weeks after Labor Day. What can it mean? What does it tell you? Billy looked divided. Can I confer with my business partner? Privately. Wanda looked frustrated, about to insist but she was too gracious for that, gave us a moment. Went to the kitchen to fetch lemons, gave us our moment. What I got? Greg could tell she'd solved it, but why the secrecy? Frank is bringing girls by, when she isn't here. It fit, it explained everything, it had to be true. That puts a different complexion on things. Do we rat out the husband? Do we confront Felicity, who must certainly be in on it? Poor Wanda, her companion and confidant betraying her. Greg could see Billy had those same concerns. They looked at each other for a bit, considering. We're here to find lost things. Where that takes us is going to be uncomfortable from time to time. Thieves, compulsive behavior, cheating, the lot. Isn't this just one more unfortunate outcome? Billy nodded, not just because it was true. Because she'd taken a liking to Wanda, wanted to be straight with her. Wanda returned, a plate of quartered lemons in hand. Greg scooted his chair back, took the plate, set it down. Wanda eyed them, uncertain, then worried. Greg stayed silent, looked to Billy, Billy had solved it, hers to reveal. You are having visitors when you are away. Wanda shook her head, relieved. Nope. Felicity and I make our own plans, often on the spur of the moment. She's full of ideas. No one else would. She got it. Her face fell. Wanda was smart. You could almost see the implications as they occurred to her, as the dominoes fell. Frank was lying to her about being away. Frank was bringing folks by. Frank was cheating. Felicity was in on it. Felicity. Not Frank. No, that one word revealed what hurt the most. Her friend and confidant, her companion in loneliness had betrayed her. Frank she could have taken, have faced, have dealt with. But Felicity? Now she had no one. Strength came to her face, resignation, resolve. She was a strong woman. She would move forward with this betrayal, choose a new life, new friends. Let me get my checkbook. Businesslike, she returned through the house to some room they hadn't seen, returned with it, and Billy's card. Consulted the card, wrote out the check, handed it over. I should have seen that myself, if I hadn't been led around like a... She stopped, her face screwed up, unwilling to show emotion. Billy impulsively hugged her, got no response. Still too raw for that. Letting go awkwardly, she stood uncertainly. Felicity will. Perhaps you can make your own way out. I find I will be without help for a time. If you know of any reliable companions who can do light housekeeping. She stopped talking, unable to continue. Turned away, sat on her lounge chair, head in hands. Greg spoke, not sure he was being heard, for her benefit and for Billy's. We will observe perfect discretion in this matter. You may rely on that. Getting no answer, they retraced their way to the front door. Felicity was coming down the hall, saw them leaving without her, curious. Saw their sober expressions, got it in an instant. Her face went blank. On the street Greg saw that Billy was looking worn tired. That may be enough for one day. I know I'm beat, all this walking. A white lie, he'd walk like this for years. Billy just nodded, started toward home. For a time, they said nothing. Each to their own thoughts. Out of the blue. You must see a lot of things. Greg knew what she meant. Married men with condoms in their wallet. Money hidden from partners. Theft and shoplifting. Anger and disgust and hatred. Disease and abuse. Yup. How do you handle it? Her voice plaintive. She found this development hard to digest. Needed some guidance, figuring where to put this in her head. Greg considered a few responses, discarded them. I try to be the best person I can be, for my friends, for my community. That made sense. Billy nodded, then nodded firmly. I can do that. There was one message on the machine when they got home. Billy listened to it, made notes, hit a race. Called back, made an appointment for Friday to meet on the beach. Greg had made a snack, brought it out to the porch, waited for Billy to kick off her shoes, visit the bathroom, the fridge. Pleased to see he'd scooted the love seat across the deck, she flounced down on the other end, smiled. Fully recovered after the walk, 
the youth. This is more like it. Look at that view. The rollers were quiet, between tides. The sky clear and brilliant. Like a picture in a travel magazine. Greg ducked his head. I've been a bachelor for too long. Got used to everything my way. As apology for his inconsiderate layout. Billy picked a piece of white spotty cheese off the tray in his lap, took a bite. Tongued the bite back out into her palm, dumped it on the tray, took a piece of cheddar instead. Greg looked glumly at his plate. No more Roquefort. Got the message. That sound like an interesting one? Referring to the answering machine. Billy brightened. Maybe. Another lost person. Some summer love, on the beach one day, gone the next. Greg frowned. We're not careful, we'll become private investigators doing missing persons. That what we want? Billy shrugged. Lost is lost. Can we afford to pass it up? That made sense. They'd had exactly three pain consultations so far. A beginning, but they'd have to pick up the pace to make a go of it. Where for lunch? Cheese and crackers wouldn't hold a teen's stomach for more than a few minutes. The morning was shot, Jillian wouldn't be home for hours, he didn't feel like making anything. You paying? I know a Chinese place. Not too far. The big pagoda with the jade carvings on the wall? Greg was enthusiastic. I'm in. Friday. Billy. Thursday afternoon had been quiet, no more phone calls. People had to be home to call I guess, and it was a workday. Jillian had been very interested in our successes. I told the stories, leaving out the personal bits, just highlighting the finds. The drama. The psychology. She'd laughed in all the right places. I'm a pretty good storyteller. I'd weathered all the smooching, waiting it out, Jillian rewarding Greg for helping people, some kind of deal they have. The real reason Greg is in on our business. Horn dog. But then last night it had been hard to fall asleep. My pillow over my head all the squeaking and thumping going on in their bedroom. Then the shower running, then more thumping, then the shower again. Jesus help me, I'm going to have to find my own place soon. Today was another workday, we had an early appointment. Some real estate lady, had some showings to do later so wanted to meet first thing. For once I beat Greg getting up. Was ready to go by the time he got up, waited for him to make some bagels, see Jillian off, get dressed. Finally, he came out on the porch. Let's go. Ten minutes to get to the cabana. That was a resort bar on the beach I guess, she'd given an address, but I figured we'd just walk until we found her. He was dressed like a beach bum, as usual. I figured it wouldn't matter, I had my Debbie normal outfit on, would be the business-like partner today. He smiled, tolerating me. Should make it in plenty of time. He was right, which was infuriating. The place was like the third one down the beach from our complex. Lady sitting on a deck chair under an umbrella, shades, skirt and blazer, heels, clearly a real estate agent by the outfit. I did the talking. Hi. Billy. You must be. Angela. She stood, shook my hand. Ignored Greg which was fine. I didn't introduce him. I was still mad at him for being right. You understand we have an upfront fee, to get started. Then a second payment when we deliver? She had a check, handed it over. I gave that to Greg without looking at it. Let my flunky handle the paperwork. We sat and I got all Velma, took out my notebook, clicked my pen, wrote the date and time on top of a page, wrote Angela. Shall we start with the circumstances of your meeting? How long have you known this person? What personal details you can remember? She got dreamy eye, leaned back. Started in on her story. Wednesday night I was dancing at the Lance, you know the one? Went with two girlfriends but lost them right off one saw her ex, hooked up with some rando to piss him off, disappeared into the VIP to do God knows what. The other girlfriend started in on Guy, the one I'm looking for? That's his name, Guy. Isn't that perfect? I suppressed the urge to roll my eyes, not good to diss the client right off. If his name was Guy, I'd eat my shoes. But he was into me, I could tell, he was fondling me with his eyes when he was dancing with her. Probably because she was wearing jeans and a band shirt, all grubby and stuff. I had on a sequin top, skorts but the skirt rolled up so you could see everything? Hot. So, after that number, the band was that one with the girl with wet panties? From banging the drummer? It was crowded, sweaty, they came up to the bar and he got between us, rubbed up on me. Val was getting catty, Val is my friend, Val saying we should get a room, we were being so obvious. So he says sure why not? And we went out the side, the back door is always open, says alarm will sound but it doesn't? So he's got me up against the dumpster, that skirt is in my purse and he's giving me some sweet love, looking me right in the eyes, all romantic and intense. 
holding my shoulders like I'm his personal piece and he's giving it all, lifting me up so I wrap my legs around his. She shivered, remembering his legs I guess. What did you go after that? I cut the porno scene short, get to the point. She came back from her fantasy, tried to remember. We went to his hotel. I remember because we tried one room but somebody was banging in there so we went to another one and it was empty. So we made up for a while, he goes into the hall and comes back with a bottle, got it from the room service cart. We opened the bottle, drank, I told him about my job and the crazy things I have to put up with, the crazy people. He was laughing and pouring and I think we fucked again. Anyway, I woke up on the beach with the sun coming up, probably outside his hotel but I'm not sure. He was gone, just his flip-flops and a towel and his room key. I know he wants to see me again because he left his key. Greg was trying to follow but so far not much to go on. You have a description? Hair color? Height? Any special features? She concentrated, which was apparently hard for her because her face got red. I think brown? No. Black. All slicked back, shiny. He was taller than me, pretty tall. He kissed so nice. Very gentle at first but then some tongue and he'd do this thing where he licked my lips and then sucked my tongue. I mean, like tattoos? Scars? Big nose? Trying to keep her on track was like hurting cats. His dick. So big. I mean, not so thick, okay, but so long it really. Not a lot of help, unless I went down the boardwalk pantsing guys. Change the subject. Do you have the towel? We could use that to find his hotel. No. I left that on the beach. It was all sticky and gross. But I have his flip-flops. And the room key, right? She dug in a beach bag, a big canvas thing with some designer logo, a knockoff they sell on the boardwalk. Pulled out a ginormous pair of flip-flops, sandy, faded, worn. Took a while but she came up with a key a standard real metal hotel key with a diamond-shaped keychain. I took these things from her, told her we'd do some legwork, get back to her. She looked cutely concerned. I really have to find him again. We didn't use a condom, so who knows, I might even be carrying his baby. Here's my number, call when you find him. I'm busy all day, won't pick up but tonight I'll be home. Call before 10 because I head to the clubs then. I took her card, yup a real estate agent. And she was off, clip-clopping up the walk in some impractical heels and a long tight skirt, barely able to take a step. Greg was dubious. Doesn't seem all that broken up about losing him. Out again tonight to find another guy. I nodded. She certainly moved fast, but it wasn't our place to tell her how to find her soulmate. Just to find this one again. It's the end of the season. He's a tourist? On the make, a one-night stand. He's probably already gone, on a plane back to Ohio, to the wife and kids. How much do we want to do on this one? Greg was being all negative. Oh, he's still here. He's on the strip right now. And he's missing his keys and worried. Greg was confused. How? Tourists lose keys all the time, they just get another one. I can see, oh, half a dozen from where we're sitting. He gestured at the expanse of sand. Not like these. Notice anything? He glanced at them. Nope. Well, old-fashioned, real keys instead of a card. You think we can use that to figure out which hotel? There's nothing written on the keychain, so that's no help. Greg was a smart guy, I knew that. But he could be dense. It was right there on the table. He saw it but didn't have the experience to really see it. This isn't a room key. All the hotels use the cards, but the staff use real keys, some of them. This is a staff key? They don't have a room number on the keychain, because they fit all the locks. Understanding dawned. And he's in trouble for losing it. The locks they'll have to change. Hundreds. I nodded. The Shady Stop, a motel by the highway in Idaho. I'd worked there one summer, cleaning rooms. Nobody stopped for more than an hour or two, but I'd had a key like this. Had been threatened if I lost it, I'd lose my job. So how do we do this? Ask around, find the manager, see which hotel has an employee that lost their key? Sweet, naive Greg. He's not gonna say anything, not right away, not to management. He's hoping he'll find it before anybody notices it's gone. Save his job. So dead end again? I admit I heaved a sigh. Greg noticed, looked defensive so I backed off. We just talked to other staff members, not management. They'll all know he's looking for it. His friends will be recruited to help. Greg considered. Maybe you should do the talking. Maybe, duh. But I just said. Sure. I can do that. Gotta be supportive to the partner. So, we traipsed down the boardwalk, stopped at each hotel. 
I'd collar a kid setting out chairs, or a room cleaner with a cart, ask about our guy. Third one, bingo. Guy in a uniform, pushing folded tables on a rally thing, setting up some conference room for the Sidwell's siding meeting according to the signboard. Hi. I was bonking a guy who works here. Wednesday night, he left his flip-flops on the beach. The guy glanced at them, lit up. Anton. Sure. Did you find his keys too? I showed them, he smiled. Clearly a friend of Anton. I can give them back to him. Nah. I want to give them myself. Don't want Anton in trouble. And I'd love to see him again. That did it. This guy knew Anton was a player. Women threw themselves at him. So he was familiar with that. He's a busman in the dining club, but they're not open now. Does room maintenance, but not usually, not unless something breaks. Probably on the volleyball court, giving lessons? He finds a lot of girlfriends that way. The guy figured he'd said too much, shut up. I smiled so he knew no hard feelings, and we went looking for the volleyball court. Saw him before he saw us, he was obvious. Tall, dark like she'd said. And those legs. All muscles, in his short shorts he looked like a draft horse. Handsome, pleasant, doing his coaching thing, being all supportive and showing some ladies a good time. He positioned their arms from behind, showed them how to serve and they were eating it up, snuggling into his chest and all smiles. Greg did his thing, and I gave him a what's up. Look. No keys. Those shoes don't fit, borrowed. Could be our guy. And vasectomy. He's not gonna get anybody pregnant. So that was good, I guess. Didn't know if that would go in the report or not. But Greg sure had his uses. I approached with the flip-flops in hand, called out. Hey, sweetie. Got noticed by one of the ladies. This one of yours, Anton? A little young for you? All catty and looking down her nose. I smiled prettily, beckoned Anton, showed the keys in my pocket. He disengaged, hurried over. Who are you? I never saw you before. I don't date underage girls. How did you get my stuff? He was protesting loudly, letting the ladies hear, pretty concerned, so I put him out of his misery. I just did that to get your attention. I'm here on behalf of a lady, Angela. Met Wednesday night at the club? Spent the night with her? Left her on the beach? I handed over the keys, the flip-flops. He was visibly relieved, more willing to talk. Sure. I remember her. She had great legs. Had this move when she... He cut himself short, stammered. I mean, sure I remember. Would you like to see her again? Because she very much would like to see you again. I handed over the card. He looked at the picture, smiled, did the fantasy remembering zone out thing for a bit. Yeah. That'd be great. She's a local, a real estate agent. Maybe looking for a regular boyfriend. I thought I would give him a heads up, not set him up for an embarrassing conversation. He read the card, slowly. Got a bright idea. I need a new apartment. My roommate is getting too clingy. Time for a change. I nodded. She's your gal. Just your speed. Maybe get you a deal on a place. Anyway, I'll leave you to it. I know you're busy. The ladies were getting restless, eyeing me unkindly. Anton shook my hand, went back to his lessons. Soon the ladies were back at it, laughing and pretending to learn volleyball. Greg was standing just under the side door awning, watching. That was amazing. No real description, no name, just a blank key and some flip-flops. From nearly nothing, you pulled out a win. He shook his head, impressed. I pretended to polish my nails on my shoulder, looked at them saucily. Maybe I don't need you, boss. Grinned when he looked alarmed. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Kidding. We're a great team. He nodded. We are. Remember, we said we'd reconsider our arrangement? After we evaluated your skills. Billy, it's time to recognize those skills. We are now full partners. Owners, even Steven, everything split down the middle. That was cool. So cool I blubbered a bit, hugged Greg until I could stop. Not very partner-like, but hey, a business owner is allowed to get emotional. Greg understands that. How are we gonna get paid? You gave away Angela's card. Greg asking, while I made some of my gen maker. Set the pot on the bar, started looking in drawers. What do you need? Greg was being patient. Duh. Phone directory. He pointed at the drawer the other side of the stove. I pulled it out, flipped to the ads, the real estate section. Pointed. Oh. She was there, top of the page, her picture and everything. I dialed, left a message. Her soulmate guy slash Anton was a local, name of hotel, he should call, our final payment due, where to send it. 
That done we repaired to the porch. Always better out here, the cool morning air, the sun and sea. I can see why people like to live here. He was getting interested in my tea, sniffing, looking at the cups. I poured, handed him one. Waited for it. There the wow this is different, and maybe I like it look. It's like. I nodded. It's like something, I don't know either. Maybe I am a tea guy. That was quite an admission, from a devoted coffee drinker. I understood the emotional capital it cost him to say that. I never got why you had to choose. Except I was never gonna drink coffee. Nasty bitter foul stuff. Makes your breath stink. I saw another bag. Of course he did. Assam golden tip. I know. Fancy. Strong, watch out if you try that one. We sipped and appreciated the view for a bit. What's on for this afternoon? The morning was hardly half gone, and we had no more cases. I'm gonna canvas this complex. Don't know why I didn't think of that. Got some cards left. Then maybe order some more cards. Fifty didn't last long. It does seem like they are working. What about you? I had no idea what Greg's life entailed. Errands. Bank run. Deposit some of that found money. Get some groceries. Taking Jillian on a drive tomorrow for a picnic. Pick up a shirt from Kang. Taking Jill out Sunday night. Reminds me, we're on our own for supper Saturday. Jillian will be at Kang's, sister's night. What's that? I had visions of playing dress up or painting nails. Oh, they go to a show, watch bad reality TV at Kang's, steal Fuang's sticky rice wine, drink too much, tell all their secrets. Make plans they don't tell anybody. She comes home Sunday morning, in a cab, hungover. Sounded about right. Didn't have a sister but knew plenty. Even though we didn't drink in the church, they all found ways to get something. You could tell in Sunday service whose head was pounding, by the way they squinched their eyes during hymns. We gonna cook? Order in? Go out? I was presuming Greg wanted to pal around. Order in. Mexican? I know a place. How are you with hot food? Pretty good. We had one real Mexican restaurant, for the loggers, Mrs. Romero and her brother. Didn't go there a lot growing up but when we did, I liked to eat everybody's peppers off their plate, ever since I was a baby. Greg looked so pleased at that. Somebody to share his love of hot food. I hoped I would measure up. Romero's was only jalapenos, who knew what shit he would spring on me. Should we invite Nick over? She's on her own a lot, now that Kelly and Tito are a thing. Good idea. I'll drop by on my walk, ask her. She okay with hot food? Greg laughed. Yup. Vietnamese, since she was a teenager, hot as they can make it. Okay, that was one more thing about Nick that made her cool. She was winning the cool contest by a big margin. I like Nick. Just putting that out there. Greg nodded. She's real. That was pretty much my take too. She got a girlfriend? I don't know why I stumbled over that. I was cool with Nick being a dyke. She could do no wrong in my view. Old habit. Greg considered. Not my place to gossip about Nick's love life. She and Kelly room at the same place. Good friends, I think. Nick and Kane went out once. We saw them at that club. That's all I know. Greg eyed me. You interested? She's. I colored. Too old for me. I know. Just curious. This stuff is new to me. I'm trying to be all open and shit. It's gonna take time to unstick all the hang-ups I was handed growing up. Greg looked like he approved. Didn't say anything more. Didn't lecture me because Greg doesn't tell women how to think. Only guy I ever met like that. So far. I tossed down the rest of my tea and left Greg to finish the pot. Things to do. My last half dozen cards took only a minute to get rid of, our immediate neighbors in the condos along the shore. Then off to the print shop. On my bike it was a breeze, just like five minutes to cover eight or nine blocks. Shop open, lights on, door standing blocked open. Inside it was clear why, hot as fuck, air conditioning on the blink. All those machines made it heat up quick, I guess. The mute guy was behind the counter, shirtless. Kind of startled me. Guys went shirtless back home all the time, but usually outside. Never in a store. One more hang up to unstick, I guess. Looked weird, his tats went all the way up his arms, on his chest and back. Not sure what they were supposed to be, all wavy and psychedelic. I need more of my cards. Straight to the point, he wasn't gonna chat, that's for sure. He dug in a cubby, came out with my ad master copy. Remembered me. Not as dim as he seemed. He looked at me, like he was expecting something. Oh. A girl should do. That was a dozen dozen, 144 cards. 
Might as well buy a head, that many would do for a couple trips at least. He poked at his machine, no longer interested in me. Still, I tried. I'm a sucker for lost causes. So, the AC is off? Sucks. When did they say they could come fix it? He looked up, startled. Hadn't occurred to him to call somebody? What, he was hoping it would just fix itself. I don't know an HV slash AC guy. Probably have to check the yellow pages. Just being helpful. He seemed to appreciate it. Gave me a nod anyway. A response. There was some kind of human intelligence in there, somewhere. He held up three fingers. Three hours? Oh, machines on the blink. Overheated? He nodded. So, now what? Long lunch, then waste some time, then back for the cards, then more canvassing. Maybe cross the river. I was halfway there already. Open up a new market? A different demographic. Hope Greg is having a more productive day. Greg Bank Groceries Kang's Shop. Invite Nick. Clearly, groceries last. Don't want anything spoiling. Don't want to lug all that around either. So, bank first. Stuff pockets with the remaining couple cash rolls. Fishbowl? There was a pile in there, nearly two grand, all twenties. That drug drop gone wrong. Would make at least one more roll. Didn't take long, I could just keep rolling until I counted fifty. Didn't have to keep track very well, just recount whenever I wanted. Sometimes this ability made me lazy. That done, wash my hands, who knows what was on those bills, drink and pee and I'm on the road. Only a block or two, the sun high and with cool air I still get hot, thinking about Billy and her bike. Maybe I need a bike. Without a way of carrying stuff, not as useful for me. I'll ask Kang what she thinks. Downtown is calm, quiet, lunchtime and folks all chowing down. Not hungry, been overeating, taking Billy to eat more than Jillian usually wanted to. Not so fun to eat by yourself. I'd done it for a decade. I was done with that pretty much. Bank had a single teller window open, lunch hour. He smiled when he saw me, familiar face but I don't remember the name. Badge says Mike so I say. Hi Mike. I have another deposit today. He's got a tray ready. I empty my pockets. He goes to the counting machine against the wall. Starts unrolling and feeding them in. All familiar. I've done this for years. My VP comes over. Never misses a chance to chat up the big depositor. Mr. Gregory. Good to see you. Anytime you want to talk CDs, let me know. He'd like me to put my savings into more interesting instruments. Probably a good idea sometime. Have you seen the activity across the river? He took an interest in historical buildings and town history. We bonded over that before. Sierra Club. The city has recognized their claim. Some old will. I knew more than that but wanted to hear what he had to say. Isn't that curious, an old will reappearing after all this time? He left room for me to comment, just smile and nod. They're finding all sorts of interesting stuff, history-wise and value-wise. Artworks, furniture. Even the simple things, fittings and fixtures, paperweights, cutlery, crockery. An old pen Mont Blanc Pelican, German, post-war. A thousand items. Like a time capsule, untouched, fifty years or more. What do you suppose they'll do with all that? Toss it, as far as I was concerned. Old out-of-date stuff. The bank was consulted on a project to redevelop the lot. The old building is irredeemable, nothing to modern code, dangerous. Tear down I'm afraid. Then a park, Richardson Park. The last owner, it was there who gave the building to the Sierra Club. Native grasses, wetlands perhaps. A history center is suggested on the site, we'll see. That all sounded fine to me. I thought most of the old dusty stuff uninteresting, but I knew there were collectors for every facet of history pens, paperweights, even old dishes held fascination for somebody. Any news on cars? An old newspaper I read once mentioned a parking garage under the building. Yes. They dug out the old ramp. The garage was completely intact. A Royce limo. A famous model. And some other cars. A taxi cab and an ambulance. Less interesting. Except to history buffs like us. My teller handed me my receipt. I kept it out of habit. To put in a stack in a drawer I'd never look at. The VP smiled. My tellers are often curious about your deposits. Stacks of old bills. No date more recent than 20 years ago. Not going to bite on that one. I'm glad I can make their day more interesting. He smiled, let it go. Not going to probe more deeply, lest he annoy a good customer. Thank you again, Mr. Gregory. Again, let's talk about CDs when you have a moment. That could be a conversation for Jillian. I would like that. May I nominate Jillian, my um, girlfriend? 
I'd prefer her to manage these accounts in future. He looked hesitant, ready to counsel caution in cases of girlfriends. But he could see I was serious and would brook no advice on this point. Yes, if you could bring her in, co-sign with her on the accounts, we could certainly talk with Miss Jillian. We could manage that Saturday? She works weekdays, of course. That also tripped him up, a brief wrinkling of the brow. Why did my girlfriend work, when I had mad stacks on account? Well, none of his business. I can have a teller prepare the paperwork, ready for you whenever you find it convenient. That business complete, off to King's for my new dress shirt. This was going to be the fun part. King wasn't there when I arrived, the shop closed with a sign on the door, out temporary. Well, that was stilted but perfectly clear. Glancing around the building I saw her in Fuang's apartment, dishing up some mess of vegetables and beans, something Vietnamese, I'm sure. Set his table, served up a generous portion. Seated him, gave him a quick kiss on the cheek. And back through the building, into the shop and flip. The sign now said open. Gregory! Come in, I have to fit you! That was worrisome, I thought all the fitting was done. She led me by the hand to the back room, stood me at attention, put my arms out. The shirt was linen, which creases something awful. She was careful to drape it over my shoulders, the sleeves not yet attached. Snugging it around my middle, she paused, looked up at me, frowned. I knew it! You've been eating! I was astonished. I shouldn't eat! A snort. Not like this. I can fix it, give me a minute. She whipped it off, did something violent with a seam ripper, went to a machine with what looked like the tatters of a shirt. The engine whined like a turbine once, twice. She returned, tried it all again. I left the selvage. I knew you would do that. Jillian is overfeeding you. All that take out. Will it be done by Sunday? That's the day. Yes. It will be done in a minute. Stop wiggling. She held a pin, looked ready to stab me. I froze, let her finish. The sleeves were on the table, got attached, removed, reattached. Satisfied, she stripped it off me, took it back to the machine. Did something clever with an attachment, the sleeves slipped over a part and were attached with a curious twisting motion. Back on me, some tugging, rotating, and Kang was satisfied. It will look right with my wool jacket. I was uncertain about linen, which is why I trusted Kang with all my clothing decisions. It will look like shit with your wool jacket. That's why I made this jacket. She whipped some cotton thing off a dummy, got me into it. There were no buttons on the front. She held it closed, marked it with a fabric marker. Took it off, sat on the stool, picked up a strange, curved needle already threaded, began whipping on a black button. So, you propose Sunday? Hurry up. I almost spilled the beans twice. You're taking too long. She pointed the needle at me for emphasis. It was Kang who couldn't have the shirt done before. I felt ill-used. But my firm policy is, never contradict someone holding a sharp object. I promise. No more delays. I want this as much as you do. She raised an eyebrow, pretty sure I was not right. Anyway. Resume fastening my jacket buttons. Oh. A bike. What do you think? What kind of bike should I get? She looked at me like I was crazy. One with a back seat and an engine. No, really. Billy has one, and it's great. She can zip around town, get ten times as much done. How would you carry anything? Where would Jilly sit? Would you make Jilly get on one too? She seemed scandalized by the idea. All good questions. Just for me, for errands? Maybe a trailer thing. I see parents pulling kids around in a sort of pod that rolls behind. I could carry stuff in that. She didn't dignify my notions with a comment, continued pulling stitches. Casting my eye around the room, I spotted a worn leather jacket on a rack covered with a sheet. Nick's jacket. Nick needs some alteration? She looked at me blankly, then figured it out. No, I, we, pulled a seam. I'm gonna resew it. She blushed, looked down at her button. Ah. Undressing frenzy during a date, the poor old jacket caught in up their passion. Understandable. Those two were both firecrackers, very physical, something had to give. Must take a special machine? Leather is so thick. The pop seam was in a shoulder, the thickest place. She didn't want to talk about it, clearly. But she picked up a horse needle laid on the cutting table, showed it to me. Hand sew it? Gonna be sore, I tried a leather sewing project back in Scouts, ended up with bloody fingers. She snirked at that, imagining me trying to sew anything. Finished my buttons, got up and redressed me. Turn around. I did as I was told, another policy of mine when dealing with family. She looked critical, 
tugged here and there, then dismissed me. All done. Don't spill anything on it. Try not to get fatter by Sunday. She left me then, back to the front room to do whatever she did. I delayed, found her full-length mirror, looked myself over. Two-button jacket, a bit of lapel, light blue. Lightweight white linen shirt, button-down collar, cool and comfortable. Pretty sharp. Jillian would outshine me by about a thousand percent, which was kind of the plan. At least I was decent, not an embarrassment, looked like I was trying. I found a hanger, put all that on it, redressed in my street clothes. Out front Kang saw me leaving, glared, grabbed my hanger, pulled a wispy plastic bag from a drawer and whipped it over my new clothes in one smooth motion, handed it back. Thanks. Jillian is looking forward to Saturday night. She smiled at the thought but didn't spare me a word or even a glance. My relationship with Kang sure was different now. Instead of respected customer, my accustomed role for years, what was I? Sister's boyfriend. That explained it. Now I was going to get my motivation scrutinized, my choices second-guessed. My character assassinated. Bullied and pushed around, in a sisterly way. Nothing I couldn't handle. They were all worth it. It was nice to have anybody who cared what I did. Out to the sidewalk and next stop groceries. Gonna think again about a bike, and maybe one of those trailers. I could pack a lot of groceries into that. Billy. Gonna think twice about Indian food again. The flavors, so strong. Mysterious-looking vegetable stews over rice, yards and yards of rice. Hot as blazes, that had been kind of okay. Those pastries hadn't been too bad, Smosa? Something like that. Potato and peas, very familiar. Toasty brown crust, deep-fried, yum. But even that had been dusted with some strange brown powder, salty, super savory. Thinking I like that, maybe? And the dessert thingy a donut hole in perfume? Take some getting used to. All in good time. Gotta try everything, become an adult woman who knew about things, could express preferences. That pretty Indian lady had been nice. Her accent. Gorgeous. And those dark eyes, wow. So many different people here. It was already so fast, they just had to dish it up. Lunch took only a half hour. Leaving what? Two and a half to burn. The tea shop was down the street. No need, still had a bushel of tea leaves back at the condo. Cross the river? Scope out the residential folk. Nah, wait until I have cards to distribute. No sense covering that ground twice. Hopping on the bike, I drifted across downtown. Traffic not bad, careful of pedestrians and parked cars. So many people. Kind of like that video game, Frogger? Don't get squished. I could ask around here, see if business folks would post my card or set it by the register. That would work better if I'd done a job for them already, had a grateful client. Maybe later. I'd try that thrift shop up the hill. They'd had a bulletin board full of business cards. I could ask to put mine up. And the pet store. Just a place to advertise a lost pet service. Decided I turned uphill, shifted down, pedaled hard. It was nice to exercise, really work. I'd been sitting and walking and eating but not really stretching any muscles for days. It showed. They burned, twinged. Take it easy. Don't want to go lame, that would put a big hole in my canvassing. Not long and I was into the vacuum cleaner repair and body shop part of town, small businesses, small budgets. Regular folk stores and services. This was more like it. My kind of people. Not much different from Idaho. Except for the super fancy cars parked here and there. Folks with money weren't above getting a vacuum repaired. I parked the bike in the rack out front, went into the pet shop, breathing hard. Hello? How are your puppies? The gentleman behind the counter was sweet. White hair, red face, kind of like Santa Claus. Puppies? Oh. No, I bought those dishes for my business. He looked interested. Rats? I don't have a card to show him. I should have kept one, as a sort of personal business card. I find lost pets. It's a service I provide. That got him interested. A real pet guy, not just a flunky. Maybe this was his shop. That sounds very useful. If you like, you could leave something by the register? I could let folks know. Well, that was easy. I reached out, shook his hand, grinning. I'm having some cards printed up right now. I'll be back in a couple hours. He thought that sounded about right. I stayed a bit, told my snowball story, got a big smile out of him. He genuinely liked dogs it seemed, laughed at all the silly doggy parts. Well, I'm gonna go see who else will maybe let me post my cards. Got time to kill. The copy shop AC is broke, some machines overheated. Anyway, that guy hadn't even called anybody. 
just took his shirt off and propped the door open. Mr. Claus shook his head, scared. Mrs. Friedman used to own that place, retired. Employee bought her out, that skinny quiet guy. He's not half the businesswoman Mrs. Friedman was. The place is going to ruin. That agreed with what I'd seen. Maybe he just needs to learn the ropes. Santa shrugged. Not sure he's trainable. A little apologetic laugh. I said goodbye, went down the street to the thrift store. Careful to park my bike beside the store, not in front, don't want anybody getting any ideas. This lady was okay with my putting my card on the board, remembered me from buying the bike. Quick stop in and out. Why not try all the places? With walk-in traffic anyway. So I did. Vacuum guy, spoke only a little English but once I made myself clear he was good with it. Down an alley, soup place, waitress said sure. But I'm not sure the boss would have agreed. Furniture thrift store, nobody in there wanted to talk to me, their loss. Heating and air conditioning. I got an idea. Dusty door, fog glass with HV slash AC keep your cool, and ancient letters stenciled on. I went in, the door banged. Behind me on its stretchy spring, startled me. Old guy sitting on a stool behind the counter, very old, grimaced. Sorry. I'll be more careful. He nodded, stood carefully, gave me a can I help you? Look. I gave him my pitch, didn't have a card to show which annoyed him. He already had a few business cards by the register, I figured it was gonna be okay. I'll bring some by after the copy shop gets running again. He perked up at that. They had a breakdown. AC down, machines overheating. Poor guy running it has no idea what to do next. He nodded. Mrs. Friedman had us in there twice a year, maintenance. Clean the drip trays, the drain hoses. Check the gas, motors, fans, electronics. No trouble for years. Yeah, this guy isn't over his head. I have an idea. If you were to just show up, he'd probably be grateful? The guy looked dubious. It's probably just a plug drain, trip some overflow switch. How long could it take? He sighed. Who is gonna pay our visit charge? We get there, he says no, we're out the cost of the trip. I didn't think that guy would push back, he'd just accept the miracle, be glad to be back in business. And his delay was costing me something. Who knows if he'd really have my cards in three hours, or even today. Tell you what. He kicks up a fuss, I'll be back later with my cards, you give me the bill for the wasted call. What could it be, about what I charged for one job? I reached out, ready to shake. He looked alarmed, took my hand cautiously, shook. You probably gotta tell him, you'll be back every six months. To do maintenance? He'll just take your word, I think. We can avoid this in future. I left, careful to let the door close quietly, leaving him with a surprised look. Like he never met a kick-ass get-shit-done businesswoman before. I continued down the street, six blocks of family-owned businesses and some fast-food joints for variety. Success about 50%, folks agreed to display my card. Some of them the first time, hadn't done that for anybody before. What can I say, I'm dang persuasive. That done, the day is heating up and I'm getting sore on my bike seat. Haven't ridden so much since middle school. Took the bus after that, high school was in the next town, 30 miles over. I never had gears before. That's awesome. I can really get going on the level. Downhill it even gets scary. I quickly learned to use the back brake mostly, keep it from trying to hurl me over the handlebars. Cranking up the hill, around the golf course, hurtle down and across the tracks and to the creek. A mobile home park next, literally on the wrong side of the tracks over here. Probably not a lot of folks wanting to pay my rate in there. After that, the open countryside. Got really hilly so I didn't want to go too far. But I'd been going what? A couple hours? And I was maybe ten miles from the condo already. The freedom. I can imagine maybe riding to the next town if I need to, or down the coast, get somewhere else in a day easy. No gas, no insurance. Just me and my trusty bike. And something to drink. I figured out my mistake once the sun started beating down. Powerful thirsty. There was a cage bolted to the frame, probably for holding a water bottle. I should get me one of those. Rather than suffer and die out here, I decided to head down a lane to a farmhouse, ask for water. I'm pretty good at approaching people, charming them into helping me. Nobody home apparently, but that's often the case with homesteads. Folks out working, nobody visible around the place. So I knocked first, though I could see a garden hose and a hydrant from where I stood. Some sound from inside, a baby fussing? Then the door opened quietly, a face peeked out. What can I do for you? She seemed impatient, looked over her shoulder, back at me. 
I'm out riding my bike and I forgot water. Can I drink from your garden hose? Her expression softened. Come in, honey, I'll get you something. You don't want to drink from that nasty hose. She pushed the screen door open, so I took it, followed her back in. Yup, a baby fussing in the other room. Mom led me to the kitchen, got a glass from the dish drainer, ran some water, handed it over. I was so thirsty I downed it in one long go. She looked unamused, refilled it for me. I went slower this time. You from the city? I shook my head, finished drinking. Just the coast, came out here on my new bike to see what I could see. The baby got louder, she looked distracted. Go! I'll finish up. She went to the back bedroom, and I heard the baby cry modify, quiet. She came back with her over one shoulder, patting her back. Won't sleep? Colic? I didn't know a lot about babies, except when one had colic it was hard on mom. She shook her head. Freddy, that's her older brother, put her favorite stuffy somewhere, I don't know where. She won't settle without it. And now Freddy is asleep, and she won't go down. How old is Freddy? Four and a half. I'll help look. We went into the living room, I sipped my water, looked slowly around. The floor was a blizzard of toys, crayon books, sippy cups, cast-off socks and shoes. The usual baby home mess. Mom was towing stuff around, listlessly turning things over hoping the toy would appear. Not really any place to hide. How big is her stuffy? Mom held her thumb and finger apart on one hand, about six inches apart. So, not a lot of choices. I picked my way over, knelt on the couch, looked behind. A little table, some potted plants on them, getting the light from the window and out of range of little hands. Nothing else there. There were baby gates, the kid had to have put it somewhere in here. Or in his room, but I wasn't going to go there yet. A bouncy chair on a frame, nowhere to put anything. A toy box, the lid open, a glance showed it empty, everything vomited onto the floor as was usual with a four-year-old. A rocking horse, suspended on a springy frame, crudely made from wood panels, faded and scratched, hand-painted design. Probably a hand-me-down, a family thing, they didn't make them like this anymore, too much chance of springs pinching little fingers. I knelt, felt underneath, ran my hand along. Closed in the front, open in the back. I bent way over, holding my glass safely away, got my hand, my arm up in there, felt up, back, forward. A softy feeling I grabbed, tugged and carefully extracted my arm. I held a little fluffy unicorn, lurid colors, outrageous soft mane and stubby cloth tail. Horsey! Mom was smiling, took it from me with gratitude. Went into the back bedroom, sorted out her napper, came back. Thank you. I was at my wit's end. I handed back her water glass. No problem, ma'am. That's what I do. Billy's recovery service. I find things. Glad to be able to help. She was impressed. What do you charge? Nothing for you, thank you, ma'am. But if you know of any neighbors that have lost something, I'd be obliged if you passed my name along. I will. Give me your number. We went into the kitchen, scribbled my name and number, my rate on her phone pad. Said my goodbyes and thank you, S, went out and remounted my bike. Time to head home, it'll be more than three hours the time I get back. Skinny dude had his shirt back on, the place was not cool but not hot anymore. It felt like heaven to me, tired and sweaty and parched. Without asking he got my bundle of cards from a cubby, handed them over. I got out my wad, but he held up one hand, stop. What? Didn't they turn out? I tore the paper a little, no, the cards looked fine. He smiled, pointed at the cold air vent. I got it finally. You're welcome. I just happened to be there on other business, and he mentioned he knew all about your system, would be glad to sort you out. I left, free cards in hand, happier than I had any right to be. Doing a good turn had turned out extra good for me. Who knew kindness could work like that? Now to hand them out. The hill was nothing now, just a few blocks, steep but nothing like those in the country, those could go a mile uphill and then get steeper at the top. This was a piece of cake, now I had twenty miles of county roads under my belt. I spent the next two hours madly handing out cards, remembering who had said yes, and who didn't. Pet store Santa took a dozen, stacked them by the register. Keep your cool AC place, the old guy still there, flashed a smile when I came in, careful not to slam the door. You called it. He was clueless, glad to have our help. And now I have another regular maintenance job. Those are bread and butter in my business. He took a half dozen cards too, would have taken them all if I wanted, but I didn't want all my eggs in one basket. Down the hill again, half my cards left, hanging from the handlebars in a plastic bag, 
banging on the frame constantly. Have to get one of those bike basket things, or maybe some satchel hanging behind the seat. I got back to the condo in no time, the distance seemed trivial now I'd been to Timbuktu and back. Came in the door happier than I had any right to be, the happiest I've been since I saw Idaho out the back window of that bus. Answering machine light was on. Icing on my wonderful happy cake. Punched the button as I got a glass, filled it from the kitchen sink. Billy? This is Aaron, Becky told me you find things? I have a car gone, taken from my barn. My project car, my baby. I could hear the anguish in his voice, he was hurting over this. Guys in their cars. If you could call me back, I want you on this right away. Before it's too late, my car cut up for parts or worse. I jotted down his info, hit a race. This was taking BRS to a whole new level. Missing cars. The big time. I wonder, have we bitten off too much? Is Greg right? Are we gonna be private detectives now?